Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. What's up, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Let's Talk More Movies, the show where we try and talk about movies, but never talk about anything and everything else. I am your host, Michael Breslin. To my left is... Cool. And to his left is... Dan Kiln. And to my right... Kivis Minu. Boom! Hey, What's by up? the way... Hello. Last minute edition, Dan Kiln. We surprise bonus on this week's podcast. Yeah, that's what it is. <laughs> 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 You, you know, you know when you're having a shit, then you hit your dog and you wipe your hole and all, then all your shit just comes out. <laughs> oh, fucking dickhead! You just call us all shit. No, he's just, no, just to that a small poo. <laughs> no, but I'm joking, Daniel. Like, you know it. You just refer to yourself as a poo because we were all the first poo. Yeah, that, that's fine. I also so believe we're on the same fucking footing here. <laughs> you know that's your oldest friend you're talking to. You pet a goat with humble. Yeah, it was, when you were three. It was great day. No, I, did, I heard a different story. I won't say it. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. <laughs> the, go, the goat attacked us. <laughs> yeah, that's what, exactly what I heard. <laughs> In opposite land. I got to by a flock of geese once. No joke. I told you about this, where they all start spitting at me. They are fucking scary. I They're vicious them. animals. But the best thing is, is that my dad's friend used to own a farm, and he was calm round. Just a visitor, a cup of tea, or they did them drugs, or whatever the fuck was going on. But they I always took them to the farm. Being a child, <laughs> I, I know I hear your dogs. That dog went to the farm. <laughs> but I went up to this one goose, and I thought being a child that all animals are friendly. Wrong. That's not true. Absolutely wrong. But that's that's what's particular about geese. They hate their own kind. <laughs> but, but the first thing is, is that as soon as this one goose came up, he spat at me. Like literally, I didn't know geese could spit. But then all those Did, muckers Did make a noise as well? Yeah, like, ah. Yeah. It was like a ah, sort of noise and I fucking shit myself. But then as soon as he spat at me, all those muckers fucking thought I was fair <gasps> game. So they all started joining them too, chasing me. My dad stood at the porch of the farm looking, laughing. Not even trying to save his own son from the shit that was about to go down. I, I wish you were. Indeed, would they? I, but but no, they'd take the shit out of you. It would. No. They're like, they're notoriously one of fucking nature's most crabbed bastards. They got strong beaks. Did Even they? if they pecked you a wee bit, yeah, I was pecked by a goose once. Really? Hi. Oh, what the fuck? We've all got priors. To be fair, like, I spotted at first. <laughs> <laughs> she was only taught the geese how to spot. This is effective. Yeah. It was definitely the same farm. thought right concern we've been playing that uh, we theme there for about I don't know 30 weeks or something like that has that Scruff's voice just really really dumbed down or has he just sampled that from somewhere I don't know well it's probably him because like where would you get somebody saying danger <laughs> I just, I, but I always assume maybe you got maybe... to go duh 
one of us has the same, but my flavor is cola flavor. I got cherry. I got apple. Ooh, apple's my favorite. Yeah, apple's got cherry. Oh. It's a sand, baby. Oh. Let's so, make a pie. Are we ready? <laughs> you just have to, they're in the shape of like a test tube, so you just got to take it like you're Cheers. in a science take experiment. It, it, take it, take a podcast in my birthday. Oh, oh, fuck. Sorry. <laughs> 19 milliliters. <laughs> right. The cherry one's nice. That's a cherry one's sweet. just a, a sec, yeah, it's very oh. sweet. It's like mine's yeah. got butts on it. Nah, oh my, really? My, mine felt about grainy as well. Oh, mine's not a butter. Mine's it tastes like old. We should apple check room. the sale by date. <laughs> we should have done that first. I might yeah, just started... mine. Mine tastes old. <laughs> I might just start to taste like charcoal. Mine doesn't <laughs> fucking have a sale by date. <laughs> to be honest, I remember as well. My dad like worked in a bar. There were a couple of times he came down with loads of these, and I think it was like the boy in the off license realizing that I did it oh. and just giving them away. Because we had loads, is, we had like is 15. There a on them? No, no, I love. There's no dit, but they do have a certificate age on the fucking bag. You must be 18 to drink these. I'm, I'm pregnant for one. <laughs> no, you can't really see that. Are you 18 and pregnant? This is the drink for you. <laughs> Neutral. Tired are, of Lamborghinis? Or do you want to be 18 and pregnant? Drink a Lamborghinis. <laughs> what a downstep from a Lamborghini? They are not wrong. Okay, here we go. <laughs> I can okay. smell the oh, do we, Are we just drinking this like straight liquor, straight out of the bottle? Straight out of the bottle. Like it's straight crystal. It's a, it's a song, isn't it? Uh, it's a big song. Straight out of brown paper B. Can I have a sub drink? Mazel tov. It tastes like do elderflower. It, do it, do it. <laughs> oh, no, friends, we're going from 15 It kind of tastes like wine gums, possibly, the green ones. Mm. That's dangerous. So when you think it's 4% and you start knocking it back, it's just uh, before Here, you get, know it. Give me a product shot there, Shane. Tipsy. Oh, we were all like, let him concentrate. How uh, <laughs> to get my blue still going on there, like you know? Uh, it's all the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> After taking a sip of elderflower and mountain lime, it's it's all right. It's quite refreshing. Grammar. It's kind of like just in all fairness, it is exactly like slur. Imagine like, you know, drinking on, on a there. warm like summer thing. Get that shit over Have here. It. Have I it. Get, I get this like green wine gums. Yeah, well, how oh, was that's it? How about you, swine? What do you think? It's tasty, refreshing. Doesn't it taste like slur. I think it tastes like slur. Tastes like we- green wine gums. It tastes like green wine gums and elderflower. Yeah. Elderflower is always anything we put elderflower. In, but I don't know what elderflower tastes, tastes like. I just like, I, I, know I, the taste. That's of your point it of reference. From now on. <laughs> like I've had. I'm I've assuming had, the taste that I'm tasting is elderflower. Basically. Yeah, exactly. Because what, I, ha- I don't know it. Merci, Michelle. Oh, you been doing French lessons? No, we're just calling each other Gary's name. <laughs> <laughs> Daniel, what'd you think? Yeah, you can really taste the elderflower. There's like a sort of old flowery petal taste in my mouth. <laughs> no, it's nice. Really I felt washed out the orange. dust from the nut run. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> At least it doesn't have an aftertaste of charcoal, which nut run does, like, in fairness. It was grainy. Mine's it was. I all I have is butts in my lips. So what's, what's today's danger bottle? The today's danger bottle is... <laughs> can somebody do a drum roll? I can't do that with my mouth. Sidekick. Oh, oh. what the fuck? Because it's like sidekick. <laughs> just, yes. a, just a wee friendly one. Oh. No. And I love, I've, I'm, hel- I'm holding it on side. I love the way I feel like I'm a no, time traveler. Oh, here, here we go. I feel like I'm a time traveler right shot. now. 
I think the fucking the last time I drank this was when I was about 16, 17. I wish I could kick this eye, but I can't. There's a table. Oh, you were making so many good faces when it was ticking the. Oh, yeah, yeah, you're you saying basically it's talking about the It's like morphine and these. Right. Oh, <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh, can I not put that up in the Twitter oh, then? <laughs> She's not vain. The woman's just bought Psychic and not trying to do off license like so. Ramos, all I want to go to your party. She has no self respect. <laughs> Is that what he said? I wander in asking for Uncle Glenn's. What am I doing? Like, he was, he was so all, good. what are you looking for? And I was all, like, just saw him on a rush. And he was all, what, but what do you mean? And I was all, it doesn't matter what it is. It's just anything. And he was all, anything for under a five. He was all, what about this? But it's five and I didn't ask. It's old. <laughs> I guarantee when you asked, oh, just give me anything, he reached down to that bunker for them nutrons. Like, like, <laughs> no, because I even asked for because he gave me this sidekick first, and then as I was going, I seen them, you know, behind him, and I was all, much are they? And he was all, uh, he didn't know, he was all, a pound, a pound, <laughs> pound each. I was all, sweet, give me four, and he was all, no, they're like, piss water, don't take, take them it. all. There's a boy in a 720, always tries to sell his name's Jimmy. Aye? Jimmy Nutron. <laughs> oh, my <laughs> <laughs> you were cooking that for a while yeah, as well. You were silent for a good yeah, bit of this. I, I, I haven't said anything for a while. Well, <laughs> it's up to you. Sitting on that one. Shall we have a shot of sidekick? Yeah, go for it. There's some shot glasses here if you want to pull them out. Yeah, get wedding tomorrow. That's not the old shot glasses, is it? Eh? That's not the old shot glasses, is it? We're not There's new here. ones in the... Oh, get the new ones? Oh, I don't know. There's one spare, sorry. We can't ruin it. It's the sidekick. There's just a plastic bag in here, man. So it's no, apple flavor. There should be. There's one. And it's broke. <laughs> Already? Uh, yeah. Have we burnt through all the plastic shot glasses? We've been doing a lot of shots you know, recently. <laughs> you, know you know what they recommend to do with this, right? Like, I'm surprised. I actually am. Uh, cocktail suggestion. This is on the back of the bottle. Add 50 ml of Sidekick Apple uh, to a light beer over ice. Uh, so it's kind of like a, a strange snake yeah. bite, but replacing... The cider with like sidekick. Yeah, that sounds like it'd be nice though, like an apple sort of I beer. I feel like I might just put a wee shot of my. I'm not drinking beer, but it's cider. Is there any beers in the house whatsoever? I wouldn't mean, give that a whiz. That'd be cool. A waz. A waz. Give it a waz. Why waz? A waz. I'm with tires. <laughs> we'll do it later. Right. Do we have shot glasses? Ah, uh, there's ones here. I think they look less dirty. Oh no, they look absolutely. Should mighty. we just take it out the bottle? We'll take it out the bottle. I can go get proper shot oh. glasses. No, we'll just take it straight out the bottle. Come on, Mickey. It was you that wanted to do shots. It's apple It definitely tastes like it's 14.5% volume. <laughs> I thought you were just going to say, it's apple That's all I can really say. <laughs> it doesn't taste as old as my apple nutron. There's no grains. Yeah, There wasn't grains in mine. It just tasted like old apple. I swear, I did, like, like there was stuff apple. in mine. I was expecting it to taste stronger. It just kind of... It just kind of fucking fades away in the mouth. Then. It, it dies it, on the tongue. It yeah. almost gives it to you, and then yeah, like a fucking proper sidekick. Uh, <laughs> you need the hero. <laughs> I know, you need the hero. Yeah. I don't know where you were going, man. I look, Eva. It nearly gives it to you, and then it just fucks off. I thought you were going to say like lost love or something. <laughs> <laughs> you went there. <laughs> okay, what did we watch this week, folks? Shankar, uh, I watched Remains of the Day uh, by James Avery, nineteen ninety-three. It's, it's a weird one. I've, I've been kind of on like a wee bit of Anthony Hopkins binge this week. And the reason, and, and I've kind of like deliberately done it, I think it's because I've been watching that show that me and you love a lot, The Trip. And because like Steve Coogan and Rob Brayden are constantly doing Anthony Hopkins impressions, I thought to myself, Anthony Hopkins is actually like one of the best actors probably of any generation. But there are a wild lot of films I haven't seen, especially like the Ray Lauder ones. So I watched The World's Fastest Indian on the Sunday night. I'm not talking about that, but it was good. It's very cheery. It is a very cheery. good, it has a very good New Zealand accent, I must say. Uh, but then I watched Remains of the Day then, I think on Tuesday or something like that. And I sent you what it is. It's set in like, 
late 1930s, it's based around Anthony Hopkins' character, who's called Mr. Stevens. He is the head butler at this like kind of big opulent manor called Darlington Manor. Lord Darlington kind of owns the place and stuff like that. But what's happening is that Lord Darlington, as it's approaching like World War II and stuff like that, even though he doesn't know, he, he, they go to great pains. They kind of show the fact that Lord Darlington is a, a nice kind of humble man, but he's just kind of being drugged in the wrong direction by propaganda. But he's like unintentionally like a Nazi sympathizer. And the whole thing is about Mr. Stevens loving this house and this sort of, I wouldn't even say love affair because it's, it's more like a, a sort of unrequited love with, well not unrequited, but like a love that never kind of formulates between him and Emma Thompson. And it's fucking, it's amazing. It's really, really amazing because the, the actual, can I add them? Oh no, I used to say that got the, the big five, didn't it? No, oh, it was no. nominated. No, it was it was nominated yeah. nominated for eight Oscars and then it, it didn't win any. So it was like one of the Oscars biggest losers. <laughs> like, yeah, it, it was nominated for the big five. It's like one of those rare ones. I would, I would say so, but I, yeah. I would say Anthony Hopkins definitely nominated. I would say that I Emma Thompson would have definitely been nominated. Best picture, best writing, best director. Aye. Oh, I mean, like you can what? check that out now, but I, I wouldn't be surprised if it was nominated what for the big five. What else is Emma Thompson? I'm finding a hard time. She's in the name of the Fowler. Uh, more recently, Save Mr. Banks. Nanny McPhee. Nanny McPhee. I know who you're talking she about. She also wrote that. Did she? Really, fuck me. I think she won an it. Oscar for writing or some shit. Jesus Christ, I don't know at all. But anyway, uh, going back to the uh, remains of the day, what's really interesting is that it's pretty much like a deconstruction of the sort of classic idea, of, you know, the, 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 the stuff up or up and stuff like that, and, you know, kind of fighting adversity, we stay in reserved and, like, have an honour and dignity, and, like, the key word in the film is dignity, and uh, Anthony Hopkins' character, Mr. Stevens, constantly talks about having this dignity and, you know... Uh, always being there for his master and you know being able to serve him and even though his master's really kind of going down the wrong path he still kind of sticks by him and doesn't actually ever criticize him because he's so dedicated just to his job but then it kind of deconstructs that towards the end i'm not spoiling much in the fact you know that he wished his life in the servitude of somebody else and he doesn't actually get to love himself and it's brilliant there, there's a there's a really amazing final shot that i'll not spoil but it, it it sort of symbolizes the 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 entrapment of his life, and apparently it was completely uh, accidental. It was just one of those things that happened on set that day. I know I'm kind of being very vague, but if you actually watch it, you'll see what I'm on about. It happened on set that day, and the director James Avery was all fuck. That's actually incredible. That, that fits a lot. Yeah. But then in subsequent interviews with James Avery, he's all, oh, I didn't actually mean that. This be symbolic. I just thought it was kind of visually engaging, so we just kind of chucked that in there. But which I, I mean, a load of even balls. if he didn't even <sighs> realize this, even if he's not being ballsy about yeah. it um even if he he wanted to put it in for some reason yeah maybe in his eyes it was visual but he's he seen something in it and people interpret also, things well, in different ways yeah even know? if like he didn't intend for it to be symbolic if somebody views it as such it's just a symbolic if he said yes yeah. or no so, exactly yeah. i mean it's, it's like it's, last it's, week when you were talking about 237 or room 237 yeah it's something we discussed yeah. last week i mean even if the director or any sort of filmmaker was involved or any sort of artist doesn't intend their art to <coughs> have that sort of message i mean well certainly that's art you can just kind of take what you, you want once you put it out there yeah that's it's, that's it's, you know I, that's I, what it is it's I, out there for interpretation free exactly free for interpretation you know as many ways as I can possibly go. It's but it's actually happened to me before that I I did uh connect You've been a Nazi sympathizer? I've been a Nazi sympathizer. <laughs> <laughs> it's happened to him twice. <laughs> twice <laughs> No, I I did a video for someone's poem and I did a kinetic typography poem, which is just where all the words Ooh. come in. There, there's okay, music and all that. No, um, no, because th- it goes back to what you're saying about how your thing, how your stuff is interpreted. In fairness to you, that's an excellent video. <laughs> I should drop a YouTube link on here. 
The poem's called Ireland on Free, so if you Google that, you probably could find it. Whoa, that's like a political man. Jesus. Never! YouTube it, and if you YouTube, that means you vote yes to some Irish thing. But anyway, back to my original point. that I just did this video, and then like all the words are coming in, and then eventually the words are in the shape of a map of Ireland. And so, spoilers for the ending of the video. But, <laughs> but then I was, I, need your heart out, like. I was I was sent this this article that someone actually did, was doing like a case study of like poems in different mediums so on the written page being performed and then as a visual thing like I did and he was use and he was using what uh, that poem as a bit of a case study and he was going and did the different stuff in my video and saying like oh certain words are bigger and like there's a word like there's cancer and like scar and all that's bigger than other words and this means that and this means this and all there's like i didn't mean it <laughs> like, like, it's because they fed it in that way <laughs> i guarantee you were fucking loving it. i was fucking loving it. <laughs> <laughs> you felt like a true artiste that day <laughs> i know but it's just, it's just oh, funny yeah, that <laughs> but no it's just funny because i was just making them different sizes so it fitted into the shape of Ireland, like and then the people just find interpretations. But really, that's it, only what you think you're doing. Really, what you're doing, you were I, thinking a, about cancer. Yeah. <laughs> I'm an artist. Important things. But yeah, yeah just a, uh, that popped in my head. Me and a friend uh, got really blocked one night. And it was about five or six in the morning. We got fifty-five bottle caps, and both of us tried to create Ireland perfectly through them <laughs> on a fucking kitchen table. Was this told? Yeah, I was told. <laughs> 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 why, why, why? Why was it fifty-five? Was it because you only had fifty-five? No, because there were spare ones, and then we had like a crate of beer. It was around Christmas, so there was more beer about so than usual. Open them all! <laughs> we're back in Ireland. <laughs> You know, it's just like that's why Ireland was probably me. Not the North. <laughs> 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 I love drink. Even though we tap, we even though we islands and everything. We're actually at one point there was there was discussion at one point of cutting some of the bottle caps in half. That was a good night. But uh, remains the day. Uh, super film, obviously. Even in just how it looks, it's it's very restrained filmmaker wise. James Avery has has kind of had like a sort of strange filmography. He done a lot of films about. I don't really know much about him to be honest. I think it's like uh, South African history and stuff. And they're really low budget. And they're not really well known over here. But that was pretty much his only big release that you know a lot of people you know this side of the water would would pretty much know of. It looks amazing. There's nothing too flashy in there, and that's what I love. I mean, I've said it so many times. I said it about Spotlight. I said it um, about Room as well recently. That I think it's always good if you get just a director who knows that the story is good enough. That he doesn't have to override it with you know kind of flashy techniques or something like that. I think we have been a period, a setting as well, it wouldn't really have worked. You know what I mean? So we just kind of go from we're kind of held back, reserved, uh, camera setups and camera techniques, and it just it it, it, it looks great. Hopkins is, is phenomenal, and your heart absolutely breaks from towards the end. But the worst thing is, is that your heart breaks from towards the end, but he still hasn't changed. He's still the same person. He still refuses. They kind of give up the sort of the life that he's that he's been leading you know what i mean because he, of his sort of dedication to his craft i suppose in, in many ways but it's um it's brilliant so that's awesome sounds good okay vestroyne what did you watch this week all right this week i had a i had a bit of a sci-fi binge week yep uh so i went back um i kind of i googled like 
sci-fi, like good sci-fi films, but kind of that you've never watched, you know? Do you know what's really cool now? You see if you, well, I'm sure you found this out, but if you do that in Google, whereas before you used to get like a list of pages and yeah, you used to have to go through now yeah. along the top. It brings, it, it brings up like it a brings wee up, row of suggestions. Yeah. Right? It's cool. With like pictures that. and names and years. Yes. It's good. Well, so this week I watched Invasion of the Body Snatchers. Yes. <laughs> just seeing that for dramatic effect if anyone has seen it or still one of the it. scariest things that I've seen as a child oh, Donald Sutherland doing that you I'd never seen I'd never seen it before so 1978 mm-hmm. uh, Philip Kaufman mm-hmm. that's, that's from my notes because <laughs> I made notes <laughs> <laughs> but so Invasion of the Body Snatchers I'm sure have you guys all seen it I have no. You've I, seen I, it? I nope. Not. Right. So it's uh it's based in San Francisco. Um a guy can't remember his name, but he's played by Donald Sutherland. He is like a health inspector and some of his close friends are like coming up to him like manically, like, Oh my my husband is not my husband. But the first girl that comes up to him, he fancies her. You just know that anyway. I just know he fancies her. And <laughs> and he's all happy to like, Oh, ooh, I'll help you out here. Go see my psychiatrist, right? Um text her, to, <laughs> text her to the psychiatrist and the psychiatrist is saying, No, literally I've had about thirty or forty of these cases in the last two days that family members are saying, My husband's not my husband, my son's not my son, my wife's not me what you know yeah. my dog's not my dog exactly well i think i can tell the dog before later to be um, honest we talk to the dog more <laughs> <laughs> he's had so many of these calls that he's he's thinking they're bullshit like you know mm. like it's mass hysteria <laughs> but, but that, that's uh, i've had so many of these calls that has to be bullshit yeah. not if you have one of them then it's bullshit yeah. if you have 50 of them it's like maybe there's but it's always like no but think <laughs> about it if you went to your doctor <laughs> if you went to your doctor and said my my fiance jill is no longer jill she looks like jill but it's not jill anymore it's not her they would think you're mental right See, maybe Aye. he's just like a really insecure psychiatrist he, should <laughs> job. he thinks the whole world's like a practical joke on him really isn't he's just <laughs> seen the german show you, you <laughs> pegged it anyway Mickey. they very very quickly soon discover that it's not bullshit yeah. and that an alien invasion is happening and they're trying to replace or replicate perfectly every human body i don't know what to do with it i don't know i don't even know they never even tell you but replace them but they're like emotionless kind of droney people that they they kind of seem to have the memory of that person because they have the ability to change the family members and Mm. whatever but it never fully explains how but they wanted everyone has to become them yeah everyone and it's scary as fuck. I don't, yeah. Oh, it's so... It, it is. I think it's not even that idea. That I mean, it, it's a sort of similar idea that you would have seen in the thing as well. And then even more so, I think, well, I, I, I would know that it's a huge influence on The World's End. Although that's done more comedically about, yeah. you know, kind of making people drones. What do they call them again? Blue blue egg people or something in The World's End? Oh, no. They just call them nothings or yeah, something. Nothings or something like that. Oh. But uh, I think that concept in itself is really scary. Like if you're loving your life and then one day you go into your house and say you're married with wines and you're you just know you just because you've been loving your whole life and you know that your wife's not your wife because she's acting completely differently and your children are acting differently. That in itself, I think that's just kind of 
human fear. But then uh, what's also scary is just it's that fucking gruel that they do when they notice a non one of them. That is that still gets me like. I think how like I I think it's super. I agree that that that's scary. And would you call it a gruel? A howl? No, what the it's fuck like would you a. Call it? It's just like a. A scream. It's a sound. It's not even a scream. They're using every like, like. Uh, you can't really do it, except really loudly. <laughs> but uh, I think it's really scary because they never. Then it's quite it's slow paced. To be fair, the film is quite slow paced, and they never fully explain, like how how is it or where is it in a what is it you don't know and then you see some part well so they kind of know that they're taking over their bodies because they find these like corpse things like growing like kind of plants and they don't they're they're forming like very fast like overnight or whatever but they become like they look human and then eventually they look exactly like but you don't it never explains how or why and you're really only following the story through the main characters so I think that's really scary because it it makes it, it it makes their actions and what they do believable because you're with you're there and you're all what you know you can afterward be like analytical about it and be like yeah. oh no but like obviously that's not but the film brings you free with them so you never really know what's going on yeah. so it's it's really I thought it was really scary and obviously yeah, it's not that that fucking huge mystery element that, like, oh yeah you know exactly I mean? because it, obviously it would not have been in any way as engaging or as, or as kind of thrilling or scary if you kind of found out the start who's what their way it's they, happening they, they couldn't have overdone it scientifically because the the, the story is a bit far-fetched like it, you know yeah. mm. like most of them are, but aliens it's not they do it in a sense that they're not trying to figure out like oh they you're never shown where they come from or what you're yeah, only shown it. human forms yeah. of them so yeah another cool. thing as well i always hit whenever like you have shows to try and actually explain through what happens i mean they always talk about like the midichlorians in star wars about like being the don't force well they but, don't talk about them anymore uh, right yeah <laughs> but i mean there's there's like you know there's so many films where they try and explain everything single thing that happens yeah. and especially in the case of horror films a lot of time you know the mystery's way scarier than yeah. what you're ever gonna you know what pseudoscience you're gonna come up with yeah, i think is horror is about suspense and tension and yeah, if they if they had it went any more into explaining it, I don't think it would have been as scary, and then it probably would fall under now like sci-fi. It is. Mm. It's it's something that we've talked about on here before. It's just a point that you've been making and Dan's so to bring it up there now, and it's actually something that you know a lot of articles have been wrote about in regards to horror, sort of sci-fi thrillers that that nothing is scary because if you see nothing, that always a build up suspension in your brain. The awful thing, and it kind of makes you have a look at yourself as a human being, is that. If you're not just showing this big sort of ghoul or this beast and you can then kind of visualise what that horror is. If you're thinking about what this horrifying thing is, you know, round the corner, you know, fucking behind the curtain or whatever their fucking head, then you can have to go into the sort of darkest recesses of your head and you start to drum up what you think is really fucking scary. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I think that's why psychological if, horror if, a lot of times works can... far better than something mm-hmm. like Gorno because as soon as you've seen a couple of fucking legs getting lopped off, it gets old, like you know. I mean, it's not going to be scary anymore. It'll still be shocking, but it's not scary. You know, I mean, you kind of get the sensitized there very quickly. If oh. you make a film in the way that makes someone feel or think in that way and be, imagine their deepest, I think that's a f- successful film. I think mm-hmm. an, another film that I watched this week very, very quickly that kind of uses that sort of format is uh, The Witch, uh, that's just recently been released and. 
that it's it's only 80, mm-hmm. 85 minutes long, and that's all psychological. Horror. Stephen King actually came out and says one of the scariest films he's ever he's ever seen, and I mean he knows a fucking thing or two about horror, like, but uh, you don't really see that much. You know what I mean? It, it, it's all a nudity, and there's actually a lot. There's two readings of the film that this family who are out on the edge of these woods, and they think that this witch has put a curse on them. That could be the case, or it just could be them going mental because they've been ostracized from like a very strictly Puritan religious society. And you can read it both ways. Now, fair enough, the last couple of scenes maybe leans out in one way, but you know you could kind of fab out and say, oh well, you know it could have just been a dream or something like that. But it's that really worked for me. Like, and it, it always seems they work. I don't know what it is. I think it is just because you have to kind of take a step back and you almost create a little narrative yourself. You know what I mean? In your own head, which oh, is always yeah. way more interesting. But then if, well, yeah, we. It's good if you can make someone scared, and I was very scared. <laughs> but also, like, it, it was a very enjoyable film, too. There, there was, um, there, I think there's good dialogue between the actors in it. Um, there's a slight sexual tension. But then, I think, like, cause the main, what's his name again? Donald? Sorrell. Like, he, he's like a, he's like a good guy, but he's not like, like, per, like he's not because he obviously fancies this married woman. He's just like, real. He's like a re- yeah. Like I think that yeah. it wor- it works really well. And then just have to say, I'm not gonna spoil it, but the end and scared that shit. I don't know. Scared the shit. I don't know. Definitely. So it's worth a watch, you guys. Watch Boom. It. Um, this week I watched Spice World. <laughs> Right, I forgot about this. I watched that three weeks ago. <laughs> <laughs> I just have money told Did you. Did you not love it? <laughs> it's a class so film. <laughs> what? The first, the first hour is spectacular. Then there's like a ten minute dip, and the last twenty minutes is brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> so like every film ever, even the good ones. <laughs> yeah. Is, there's no. I always says there's no good middles to a film. There's, there's, there's very few. Oh, very few. Very, very, very few. There's very few. But I, I, I kind of get what you're saying. There always is a bit of sag in the middle of most. Even classics, there's a bit of sag mm. in the middle. I think it's just your kind of general attention span as well. Like, yeah, you know what be, I mean? Yeah. But three uh, X structure's flawed. Yeah. Right? Uh, listen to me. You fucking completely condemning the way that all films ever are made. But yeah, sorry, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> let me stop this this awful conversation. Let's get back to the point. Of hand. Let's talk about spice words. Can we not just things but Okay, talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> to become one, I need some love. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta make love to, to you, baby. baby. Got a little love. Now I'm back for more. Gotta make love to you, baby. Set your spirit free. It's the, the only, only way, way to be. Not be Dear Freestyle, that was fine. You know what? We're in the wrong business. <laughs> Let's start a fucking... I'm pretty sure that was not that great. Yeah, but I, I think it was pretty awful. Awful. <laughs> like I've never heard more out-of-tone voices in my life. But anyway, Spice World. 1997, it was out. It was I? Fine year for cinema. Best year. Fine year for cinema. For but... Gary Potter. <laughs> Spice, <laughs> well, Spice World and Titanic in the same year, like... Incredible. What else? And how did Titanic beat Spice? It's all political. Um, oh, but they don't like the British. What, what I actually really enjoyed about the film is it's just the stupidness of it. It's just the ridiculousness of it, and just the fact that they're just throwing everything at it. And 
Because if you think about how this film was made, it's just because the Spice Girls was a global fucking brand. The biggest band in the world. That yeah, point, and yeah. just no, no, everybody. Not a band. Yeah, biggest group in the band. Biggest group in the band. Biggest group in the band. Biggest group in the world. But Come yeah, on, like you can't be like judgy in that way. Like if you think that way, who really is a group now? Like or who really was a group? Well, my, my always my sort of uh, distinction between the two is that a band like plays their own music, yeah, plays their own music, and a, a group doesn't. It's kind of manufactured from there. Well, but what? But if, I mean, what there's if, a lot of what if like Mel B play played a guitar on, on a track? They put them together. Yeah. Did Mel B don't. play a guitar on a track? I don't know. She could have done, but she and she doesn't play on stage. They were, they I mean, like one together. One Direction, yeah. like your boy fucking Liam plays guitar like, as they're playing. Or would you count them as a band then or a group? Not at all. It's Go back to Swatch. I'm just saying, don't be like harsh well, on it, them. It was just, it was you making the decision. Are. Oh, they're a group, not a band. But anyway, uh, right. <laughs> I was they're a good group, not a good band. Sorry, I agree with them. I'm birthday boy, so I've been I, I yeah. would just say you can use either word. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we're but anyway, uh, yeah. If you think about how this film was made, just they were just trying to cash in on everything. Like there were Spice Girls fucking clothes. Pencil stickers, kisses. pencil kisses, fucking kisses. perfumes, whatever. That was solid. There was a Spice Scares game for the PlayStation, which I owned. Oh, I owned it. Is it a Bimini game, wasn't it? You got them all dancing and everything. Aye, it was. Yeah. Aye, like you did the track, and then you did the. Then you did dancing, then you did like a music video, then you did like a live performance. Yeah, and if you like typed in a certain cheat code, you get them all to like dance around their handbags. I don't know why. I don't know. I, don't no. know. I, don't, I still try. To there was there was one know. dance move that it's they. the most random cheats. In <laughs> <No>. <laughs> there was always oh, pure random. There was one uh, dance move though that all of them did the same thing, apart from if you were Mel C, she did a kick. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Bonus <laughs> kick. She was quite f- trendy and funky back in the day. Yeah. She's a bit of, like there, like. But anyway, <laughs> we keep I going off on tangents. I always get Mel C and Mel B. Sorry, we're Mel C, not, I get Mel C, Mel C, C is sporting. C is sporty. Yeah, the B, B stands scary. for black. <laughs> I still, oh. I'll and get C them, for I'll Caucasian. Still, I'll forget them. <laughs> <laughs> oh my! Anyway, go on. Anyway, uh, not mess up here. <laughs> I know. I haven't actually talked about the film yet. <laughs> But if you no, if you just think about this film being made, like they were just trying to cash in. No, but and what everything. is the pre- like? There is a premise of the I, film. I'll get under the premise. Okay, all right. <laughs> I don't remember the premise of the film. But no, if you think it's about really the, really the film being made, is that just they were trying to cash in on it, and so it could have just been the most standard fucking bullshit story, and in some ways it is, but they really just turn everything on its head, and they're ma- they're just making fun of everything in this film. <laughs> Like, they make fun of the Spice Scares, just in general. Then they make fun of the stereotypes of the Spice Scares. But then they also play up to the stereotypes. Yeah. And just, like, they make fun of the press. Like, they, they they paint the press as just these evil people in, like, dark corners. when they destroy the Spice Scares and all. What do you what mean? You, who's like their, that? manager that's, that's the <laughs> their manager in the Who's their manager? Their manager's Richard E. Grant. He's really good. He's, uh, really he's funny. He's, he's, he's funny in it. And, like, By his second the, best role after Wolf Mill, to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> But everything's just just stupid and ridiculous about it. Like even their tour bus, it's it's just a standard tour bus. So I'd say you go inside, it's the biggest bus in the world. <laughs> Everybody has their own section and all. Everyone has their own like mansion inside this yeah. tour bus. But it's literally, and they're like chilling out, like drawing portraits of each other. But then it cuts to a shot of the bus tumbling around London. <laughs> it is what I mean. Like, see if you look at it. Right, no, like, you know what it fucking is. What do you call that bus out of Harry Potter? That night bus. That's what oh, it is. I don't know. That's Tardis-esque, you would say. But I mean, what, yeah. I, what I think is that 
if you actually look at that for its time in 1997 that is like a modern day Hard Day's Night I mean when Hard Day's mm. Night was made in like 1962 or 1963 it played up to the fact how ridiculous it was that the Beatles were in a film whilst also like you said the Beatles were being the Beatles also and that sort of notion of them but then it was a completely slapstick camp comedy which was kind of completely unrealistic and then from that that influenced the Monkeys television series getting made yeah. which then influenced in many ways Easy Rider and fucking the American New Wave starting so I think it's just kind of taking the biggest group in the world at the time which was the Spice Girls or the Beatles and just kind of trying to recreate that I mean it's not taking itself seriously no I haven't, I haven't seen Spice World since I was about fucking 10 so I'm not saying see I had never seen it I'm, before I'm not saying it's a great film but you can't have to respect the fact that they're not taking themselves seriously and I mean like exactly I think it's one of those things too that a Hard Day's Night, which is a very good film, is looked upon more favorably because of the Beatles, who are probably oh, the course. most, you know, yeah. probably because of the most successful band of all time, or probably the most influential band but of I all mean, time. Think about the, the, Spice um, the amount of time there. that has passed between us and the Beatles and us and Spice Girls. Yeah, but I mean, I, now, I am not trying to like. No, I am in a sense trying to compare Spice Girls the Beatles, right? Like, not in kind of creativity, but in like how much they impacted. Yeah. I think in many ways it's it's definitely in in many ways it's like a an elitist thing. I think it's that's a hard day's nights looked upon more favorably because the Beatles are quite lauded musically and quite respected in those sort of critical circles and well, just well, in general. I mean, you're saying quite lauded, quite they're, they're the they most. Yeah, they are. They are. I'm feeling I'm yeah, underplaying. Like yeah, they are yeah. the most lauded, whereas the Space Girls are kind of seen now as like a kind of. If they anything, were very because they didn't write their own shit yeah, but I think basically. it's just they're seen as like the most glaring example of kind of 90s manufactured pop and that's yeah. not looked upon as favourably but in in many ways like the Spice Girls movie or Spice World and A Hard Day's Night they're doing the very same thing like they're literally doing the very same thing yeah you know what I mean and I don't think that Spice World does take itself that seriously well you see it all comes it's into this sort of thing as well playing like, up to the campness in many ways like, yeah if you're gonna like you know make a film based on like something that is actually a commodity that's you know that exists outside you know outside the realm of film it's not just a story if you look at something maybe like uh, World of Warcraft which is you know something that has a deep lore great sense of writing great depth you know there's so much artistic things you can respect about that you know even in terms of like the way they design everything but then compared to Lego which obviously I know is very creative and fantastic and all, but looking at those two films, or you know the amount of uh, stuff they come up with Lego, the films because they've got great screenwriters and they know they're making a film, you know, are appeasing the fans, but also making like something that's actually true to the medium. While I think what Warcraft sort of looks like now that it's not going to do the yeah. same thing. Do you know what I mean? And it's all about like, yeah. you know how does how do you actually translate that to film more than actually looking at where it comes from in the first place. I'm sure there's better examples than the two I've just given, but you know, <laughs> uh, well, I know. I mean, I'm, I'm thinking of things that are good that have turned out shit. I can't think of anything shit that's really good. <laughs> 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 do you know what I mean? I, but, but in fairness, even if you're not trying to come up with like another example, that that example you brought up now is. I wouldn't say perfect, but it's still it still hits home. You're still getting across that point. I know exactly what you're talking about. It's just it kind of does come down then to the sort of filmmaking process and in Spice World, you have to kind of give it to I don't even know what filmmakers maybe you kind of have to give them because they could have literally just shot the Spice Girls sitting on. They could have done They could have they could have shot the Spice Girls sitting on a bus depot for fucking an hour and a half, and it would have probably just sold their tour, which Aye, is what a lot of. Yeah, like that 1D film there a few years back and stuff. Aye, and the Justin Bieber one. Like, like, Aye, it's just them on tour or whatever. Yeah. Like the Katy Perry one did that, but it just so happened to coincide with like the breakup of her marriage. So it became like 
automatically just... like a on scripted like drama piece yeah but yeah. like it's almost hard to watch that film like it's great at the start but you literally watch her the breakup of her marriage yeah i had to turn that's... it off like it was, it was hard to watch like mm. i see spice words way better than that no, but... I remember them being on like a speedboat and singing like "My Boy Lollipop." Am I wrong? Aye. No, yeah, that happens. That happens. No, you see, because because <laughs> there's so much stupid stuff in it. Even just once you get the, to that stage, the, the, that's acceptable. The, the Spice Girls get a story by credit because they obviously <laughs> said, "Wouldn't it be good to do a film of us on tour or something higher than to get a story <laughs> by credit?" But it's just there's so there's so many bits like as I said like they're trying to present themselves as not their stereotypes but then they still lean way into that like when they first go on their tour bus uh, Emma Button sits in a swing and sucks on a lollipop because she's Baby, baby. Spice <laughs> oh, my and then Sporty Spice immediately gets on an exercise bike yeah stop <laughs> oh why you can't buy your clothes suck it I know but they're complaining <laughs> let's do star jumps <laughs> that's and basically then Paul, all, where's my tiny black should I wear this tiny black dress or this tiny black dress the, like, the fucking hilarious because like uh, Mel B as well she's Scary Spice so she's just always really loud and kind of all is there but Ginger Spice it doesn't describe her in any way so she's just sat <laughs> reading a newspaper <laughs> she was not allowed <laughs> no but, the, no, but the, she was like the sex one right no because yeah. sex person i know she she wears like the least amount of clothes yeah. in as well but uh no but they kind of try and give her a car characteristic for the film is that she always comes out with random facts so like they're talking about oh. something and then the she's like says like oh I oh I read this thing before and then every time Mel C they cut the Mel C just looking really fucked off like she's talking again. <laughs> oh, I love that as well because you know people who do sports cannot know facts. <laughs> no, it's no, not like no. it's just she's all like for fuck's sake. She's like, going she off comes on across one. as like uh, you know that sh- that that kind of like shit tomato joke in Pulp Fiction. Oh yeah, yeah. like like her like. She doesn't tell jokes, but she tells like random odd crap facts. Aye, that like, probably they, aren't they true. They don't fall, like they don't land. Mm. But um, aye, so they they do all that air kind of stuff, but then they keep trying to present themselves like, oh, but we're different than those things as well. And the thing with them on the on the speedboat, it's supposed to be them being all, oh, we're not going to be managed by our manager, and they run off the tour bus and jump on a speedboat and just fly off with two kids that that won a competition. <laughs> oh, they kidnap <laughs> two kids, by the way. Shit gets real then. <laughs> and then they, they meet aliens. <laughs> oh no, but I'm pretty sure they go to an army camp as well. They yeah, just they do everything yeah, you can do. There's so much stuff in it. Where's the conflict in this film? You know what it's like? The, con- the conflict is is that, uh, yeah. well, they have this insane terror thing and then they're kind of revolting against their manager about saying, we're people, man. We, we can't be doing all this shit. But then the, e- the, the evil press. Turbos, we all are perfect shit. <laughs> but, but the evil press <laughs> is, is trying to destroy them as well. Richard O'Brien... That's the boy from Crystal Maze. Yes, it is. He he's he's like a paparazzi guy, <laughs> and he he's near he's near like an alien or <laughs> like a, love, a lizard or something. What I love is that at the very start, I was like, "Fuck is he's now starting to get intrigued." <laughs> I know Hugh Laurie's in it as well, isn't he? Hugh Laurie's in it. Steve Fry's. There's stacks. There's so many, so many ca- cameos in it, like Richard E. Grant's in it, and mm. fucking Michael Barrymore's I on it. I think it's oh. like a super <laughs> modern cabaret. Any pool parties on it though? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's actually the drill sergeant boy. Well, he will be. But uh, yeah, there's just there's so much craziness and wackiness in it that it was just because I didn't really know what to expect when I was putting it on, and just it's just so mental and crazy and just out there that I thoroughly enjoyed it. It's like a PG Spring Breakers. 
Yes. <laughs> yeah, if you want to go with that, yeah. <laughs> Get the fucking Harmy Corn to the sequel, sure. It <laughs> literally <laughs> rocks if you ever are eating brownies. <laughs> just regular normal brownies yeah. just have a couple of regular normal brownies <laughs> and, and no more for one hour and watch Spice Wars <laughs> I was just quite drunk during that works exactly well. that works too being passed and watching films yourselves are best <laughs> that's my, like, my favourite fucking hobby honestly like but see that's grand in like you know your 20s but you know if you were like 60 or 50 saying that it was just really sad yeah, but at this point you what? probably worked no no if, yeah, yeah, if you're 60 you could, it's the middle part of like 35 40 you probably yeah. can't do that oh maybe you're right so in yeah. your 20s you can kind of get away with then 30 40 50 you can expect to be an adult and then your 60s you're like fuck this you're, like, what? you're really like 68 oh what do you do tonight granda Oh, I'm gonna like to take gear bombs and all. No, you're watching a film by yourself, the house. That's what you're doing. It's normal. No, I've got, I've got the, the seventh thousand episode of Last Topper Movies today. <laughs> we'll still do that. Yeah. I'll still just be doing it by myself in my head. It'll be an and then fucking buddy calm again. My name's Shane Cole. <laughs> <laughs> I've obviously had a fucking... Kind of voices. I've obviously had a throat transplant this point. I'm a Muppet. <laughs> I was kind of going for that kind of voice. <laughs> My name's Shane. I obviously spent... He sounds like an old prospector. <laughs> <laughs> I obviously spent... There's obviously a goal rush in the future. Yeah. Yeah, after like World War Three, and you know, just the air. The only accent I can't do is my own. There's a gold rush in the future, and apparently I moved to Kentucky for a while. <laughs> I don't know what way your life's going to go. I really hope it goes that way. That would be good. You make a good prospector, man. I think I fucking... Why would I? Mm. I could see myself with a, a long flowing white mustache. <laughs> we pickaxe on my back. We had. Jeez, man, don't stereotype him too much. Jesus. No, what? People themselves. What's an what's an ass doctor I, called again? I'm gonna have the old I, the old prospector Jurison <laughs> going up against me an here. Ass doctor. Hey, what's an ass doctor? A colonoscopicus. No. Like a, <laughs> a tongue twister. A, a colonoscopicus. No, I know that getting your whole. Fucking That's a colonoscopy. Hey, but what's an ass doctor called? Fuck. Hole doctor. Hole tyranny. Ring doctor. <laughs> <laughs> You could make like a really cheap gay joke here or something like that. <laughs> wow. Does it have a real? I don't know. What, does it have a real name? Aye. Begins with P, but it's. Well, what do you call the, uh, the? So there's a gynecologist. I was going to say a paleontologist. That's definitely. Then, that's the dinosaur. That's dinosaurs. That's dinosaurs, boy. I don't, I don't know that. Okay, it doesn't matter. Damn, what did you watch this week? So bad, like, you know, because we're all so drunk already. I'm talking about Kira. We're going for Spice World Day, Kira. Go and watch Spice World, you'll love it. If anything, then it's a step down. You should actually watch Spice World and then watch Akira. I recommend. They're companion pieces. I definitely think so. They're spiritual successors in many ways. Spice World was inspired by Akira. There you go. There was... They were both filmed. I think the only th- there's probably a motorbike in Spice Roll for about two minutes. Maybe the only link. There could be. <laughs> do it, do it, do it. Uh, yeah, Kira, it's one of those ones I've always wanted to watch. I think it's been my laptop for proctologist. A proctologist. I know that actually. I like that. Yeah. I love that. I like that. Oh, because I knew it was on like Prospector, and I d- couldn't think what it was. I'll see as well. Should I try and do the rest of the episode in my uh, apparent future self's Prospect on voice? Go for it. I Go think ahead. so. Okay, Dan. Good. <laughs> <laughs> Can't even say a fucking sentence. Get to her, Dan. <laughs> Akira's a very serious, very sad, dark film. Tell me more. <laughs> <laughs> I like that deep dark stuff. 
But I uh, no looking at the nineteen eighty eight just shocked me whenever you actually get to watch it because just the uh, the the depth of thought that's gone into nearly every scene in terms of, like the background and uh, how well formed everything is. When I was talking to uh, Shan, was it you about uh, I compared it to Mad Max? Or was it no? It was Kiva. Remember I said uh, there's so many things going on in the background. You see so many different walks of life and different characters that you get this just sense of depth and scope that you know this new new Tokyo. God, it, it seems like a love and breathing world. And in Mad Max, you get the exact same See? thing where there's shots of just like random. So in, yeah, you're right. What like was in, Akira's sex Oscars, eh? Mm. No, definitely not. But like, and so say in Mad Max, like you get the the scale of, you the know, the kind of world the, of the, yeah. The, yeah, tyrant, the tyrant guy. You get the scale of his world and by the scale of the amount of people in the background. Akira has the ability to do that with animation so it's like 10 times more than your mind can imagine yeah. the, the detail in the background is like amazing yeah. like it's, ama- it's it ridiculously amazing layered as well i mean oh unbelievably the best thing is to me like if you look at animation in the late 80s i mean fair enough it was still up to a, a fucking very very uh high standard and stuff but i mean just the fact that they had that they went for that sort of scope because they could have easily done akira far simpler but you but have to respect the they're fact... They're not interested No, in exactly, that. but that's what they're I love. Not. I love the fact that they just really threw everything at it. Not only in what I had to say about society and, like, Tokyo at the time and then looking at this sort of dystopian new Tokyo future, but even just artistically, like it's you were saying, with those layered backgrounds and how visually it just draws you in. I've actually always wanted to see it on the big screen, but unfortunately I've, I've only ever seen it on, like, DVD, mm. so... I, in terms of, like, you know, uh, well... There's so many, sometimes it's just unbelievably gory, it just actually completely galls you. I mean, like, there's so much that happens in it that, I mean, even for somebody who, you know, has seen very violent cinema and you're watching what people would describe as a cartoon, geez, it can really rock you. Do you think that's why you find it more shit? Because I know a lot of people who first watch anime, especially Akira, they're, they're more taken aback because they, they don't expect it in a, like a sort of animated set sort of thing. You know what well, I, mean? I, I sort of knew what I was going to expect when I was going in. You know, I've heard so much about it, and, you know, I've, uh, I mean, the, the famous ending scenes with Tetsuo when you actually see I mean I've seen those before just about oh yeah but yeah I mean that's one of the things if you're talking about you know it's so weird to look at something like that and my immediate response is oh yeah special effects no it's it's just as just as hard to do that as it is you know maybe not you know to think it up but to actually draw it compared to the motorbike scene to start which seems actually quite I don't know, 80s dystopian... Reminds me of something like Terminator. Yeah. If you know what I mean, those bike scenes at the start. But uh, but just to say as well, yeah, what I was really impressed with as well, uh, it does have a few... I'm not a big fan of anime that I don't watch a lot of it, so it's got a few like uh, plot points that or scenes that seem to go on maybe a bit too long. I mean, I'm just not used to sort of pacing or tone of those sort of films or you know bits of work. But, I mean, in general, I the tone's absolutely fantastic. It's so well realized, so well fleshed out. You can tell it's a it's a labor of love completely, uh, and uh, some of the scenes as well are absolutely harrowing. I mean, yeah. uh, as a science fiction fan, it really does delve deep into like this sort of a. Uh, I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for, but you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. 
Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Certain ideas of, like, what is the next step? I mean, yeah. if, you're, if, you're, if we're going to think of what is the next step for humans, I mean, I read something really interesting online when I was reading about it. Somebody said, oh, yeah, well... I mean, imagine trying to, uh, if, if a, a wasp saw a dolphin for the first time. A good pronunciation you, on wasp. 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 Are we wasp? That's a Robert Bannis pronunciation. Are we a little wasp? It's a tiny wasp. But, you know, there are, they, these are two things that live on the same planet. Imagine, you know, there's no way they could ever, on any realm of your imagination, like, understand each other. Yeah. But what's the next step then? You know, I mean, if we're talking about something that might jump us forward by, you know, Maybe not even progress, but just like the next step, you know, where where we're gonna go. And I think like Akira really gives like a heroin, but then on some level like a bittersweet type end into that sort of thing. Like, you know, what is the next step in human consciousness? Quite actually quite right through two thousand one. Yeah. Ending, definitely, yeah. And so. I mean from what you said too, it is a phenomenal piece of work, but <laughs> just it, 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 to kinda take a step back and introduce a bit of levity. Uh when Dan was watching it the RD, I haven't watched Akira in years, but I remember for like an animated feature being you know quite long, not not ridiculously long. But Dan first texts me at like half two, and he's already up there, and he's like, oh man, I'm just watching Akira. And then I thought, right, fair enough, I'll just let him enjoy it, and I'll give him a shout at the room. Text him again at half nine at night, I already up there, man, I'm just watching Akira. I was like, how fucking long is that? <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I had a nap and I walked the dog. I was actually <laughs> going to say, um, um, I was hanging, leave me alone. <laughs> even, even now when I watch Akira, like, I, I watch it in two parts, and now most, most Asian cinema falls in the, in that kind of like animated sense falls into three parts akira i can't remember but i almost think it's like five parts i'm not entirely sure but it's not made in the it's not made they watch in the sense that we're like right example uh i'm reading a manga book and i'm reading it back to front yeah because that's the way it's printed it's in english but they read it kind of backwards, like in yeah, Japan, it's they, right they left. and it's right they left, and it took me a, a long time to get used to. And the same thing when I started watching Asian cinema and Asian anime, that it's a different kind of technique of film watching. Mm. We're, we're like one sit and go, and maybe I don't know how they watch it, but me, I I can't watch a whole. Like Akira, you can't watch it in one yeah, sitting. Not even, not, not even for me. Plot. I get no, tired. I like I can't. Yeah, even the plot. There's so much going on in the background that actually, you know, takes. So, like, I've had it pause so many times. And maybe I just they, think about maybe what they... does this imply? What does this mean? Yeah. And you know, it is that sort of depth of scope that they can get away with. Do you and know they, what I mean? they do have those acts though. So maybe like, cinema. I've never been to, a, like a country of where, has showed the cinema screening of it and the origin, like say akira i went to see it there i don't know how do they show it maybe you get a wee like intermission intermission yeah, every yeah. act or something like because i can see that being plausible because or maybe it's just different from the way we're used to watching cinema mm. but i understand why you get tired because they are long yeah, yeah. two hours to watch something like that is very yeah. intense because even if you're watching your like, brain somebody... has to be 
Yeah, constantly go. Because I know something that, you know, I love, I mean, like, obviously the Godfather, which, you know, nearly hits three hours hour. There's a while out of, you know, lingering emotive moments. And maybe it is because you're watching it a real you a person. Rest, yeah. Yeah. It gives you, gives you yeah. a rest. Uh, exactly. And you, maybe, like, you know, you're reading visual clues. Which, to be fair as well, you know, visual clues, because we're humans, are a lot easier to read, you know, if you're looking at them on a real person's face. Yeah. But if you're watching animation, it's a complete new language altogether. Probably someone who watched anime all the time might be able to pick it up a bit better than me or understand the sort of pacing a bit more. But to me, I did find it quite tiring to watch yeah, another of that. Was, and I was really enjoying it. I mean, break like, it up. That's actually, all you have to do is just yeah. break it up. When I brought up the WhatsApp group, oh yeah, when I up the WhatsApp group, actually, uh, Tone said, and you know, we brought up our own, but he said that twice he's tried to watch Akira and twice he's actually, you know, eventually just knocked off or fallen asleep. And the strange thing, and he said, half actually, and then he said, put the he, next yeah. half on. He said he actually enjoyed it as well, but it's yeah. just it is tiring. It's, it's strange because Tone, all enough. Who's uh he has a huge interest in like Japanese culture and like kind of sort of neo Tokyo culture and stuff you get and like Dan was saying he's tried to watch it a couple of times and it wasn't out of any sort of dislike for it, but like you were saying I remember the first time I watched Akira and maybe I was even too young to kind of really fully appreciate what I was watching I was baffled I, it was more sort of those ones that I was still in that sort of childlike mentality that sort of childlike gaze where I was just kind of more intrigued by the action scenes and all these big fucking huge saturation of swirling colors coming at me non-stop as opposed to looking you're a Pokemon chili as a Pokemon chili as opposed to looking at the other layers because I, I just couldn't keep up with because it was so quick paced because there is so much going on like Dan was saying but I think it's maybe one of those films that well it's definitely one of those films that rewards repeat viewing you know oh, definitely. Oh, I'm dying to oh, watch it again oh. yeah you could, wa- you could watch it like I'd say at least twice a year yeah, if you wanted yeah. to yeah there's so many like big questions to get asked oh by the way can you whisper for a film but uh, it brings up what? so much. Kanye West for a film. Mm. Oh, I yeah. thought you said Kanye West made a film. <laughs> oh, no, no. It's, so, no, it's no sorry, Kanye no. West made a Kira. You know, yeah. you know, here. <laughs> I heard he, he was the motorcycle in a Kira. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, was, was he not, like, he was brought up in Japan or something? He was? Oh, I, fuck, yeah, that's, that's, why, he's, that's he was, why he's called Kanye. I can't. I, I know he was yeah. brought up in Japan, though. That's one thing. That no, is that real truth? Because I was know, like, it actually, no, he was brought up in Japan. That's a strange tidbit that I Do you know what his name would be if he was brought up in Scotland? What? No, you can't. Eh? <laughs> oh my word! That doesn't even work. I was, no, you can't. Can't, eh? No, I you can't. Eh? I was a uh, Frankie Boyle joke from the weekend. <laughs> Fr- Frankie Boyle's obviously not got a tight five sorted, anyway. Frankie Boyle needs to get back in the booze. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Jesus, Jesus Christ! Jesus. 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 He says he's like a swig of cider. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Frankie. He was good. No, he's pretty good. I don't know. <laughs> I was just being noisy. I was going I I personal. I love it. So it was pretty good. It wasn't there. I just like, yeah, <laughs> shit. I'm sure he wouldn't in, in, like that, Kiva. Did you say, oh, I'm just being noisy, just to be noisy? Like, that's what, that's, hey, that's what he does. That's what he does. Oh, no, Thank yeah, Frankie Boyle. Like, he's he inspired by I know, that's what I'm he saying. He, he, would, he would like that. He'd well, he won't that. get the whole fact that I fucking explained it away. So I'm just going to say, fuck you, Frankie. Episode title right there, thank you, thank you, bud. Hey, he'd, he'd probably get in contact as well. Happy days, get us about exposure, lethal. I definitely <laughs> fight him up a wall. I'll fight you up a walls with words. We'll just like each other balls. <laughs> Word battle. <laughs> so, any final thoughts on like, uh, that film? Well, yeah. Just, <laughs> Yeah, it's always great to see it the host is listening on them. <laughs> no, but just to say as well, one, one I think one of the, like the really interesting things about Akira is obviously you know it brings up these sort of big questions about oh where are we going to go as like a species or you know the Japanese sort of as this sort of way. But one of the other really interesting things is group dynamics and how that you know if people really could do what they want, what would they do? I guess I guess a very interesting point that it really does ram home. 
And uh, yeah, at the end of the day as well, you know, uh, Kaneda, even though you know he's still intrinsically tied to this person, still like even though he might have not always been the best person, he is. I wouldn't say a hero, but he definitely does do very well. I have a question. I have a question I pose to you then, Kion. Go. You just said there now about group dynamics. Yes. If this group, the three people that you're sitting with right now, yes. had the opportunity to do whatever they wanted to do in the whole wide world, what would they do? I'd pee. Get blocked. Do a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> We're doing it! <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to pee. Okay, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do whatever I want. Uh, actually, yeah. Okay, and we shall move on to... Topics now live. Live. Thank you. It is topics. Thank you. You you have a topic, I believe. Barely. I was thinking after Shan was talking about the the cremains of the day. <laughs> that uh you know at the very end there's apparently this accidental shot this serendipitous shot yes where mm-hmm. it became so you know yeah a wee bit of a happy accident it's quite good much like sham was himself yes i wasn't <laughs> <laughs> jesus <laughs> christ <laughs> now, now about the end of my 27th year you fucking bastard <laughs> <laughs> happiest bastard in town like. <laughs> hey well you know what hey fuck you because i, I <laughs> 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 yeah you know what fuck you <laughs> you know what See, in the future, I want to be a fucking very, very rich prospector. I love in Kentucky for a while. If yeehaw! <laughs> yeehaw! You don't have any. <laughs> Yeehaw, silver! <laughs> oh. <laughs> that's from, that's fucking, what do you call him? That TV show from years ago that I nobody watched? That one. That one? But yeah, who's already called again? Oh, fuck, what is it? The bastard It was the fucking, it's not the Lone Ranger, the bastard, the bastard bandit. <laughs> Ten glorious bastards. <laughs> But just say, can you think of any other happy accidents that have happened in the film that you quite enjoy? Well, me and you talked about, about one beforehand. I mean, maybe you should pick it up because it was your one. All right, well, yeah, especially when you're talking about the, the last shot of a film. Uh, if you ever see the film uh, Barton Fink, which is uh, one of my favourites ever, it actually won the uh, the Palm d'Or at Cannes, but it also won the uh, the Best Actor award at Cannes as well. And since this film as well, they've stopped doing that. You know, you can either get one or the other. It's a Palm d'Or, Best Director, Best Actor, one all three. And uh, they say no, you can't. Well, like, oh, of course, because it was the best film, or uh, if it is, you know, best actor, best director, best film. There's no reason. Then, it then usually, three. an actor or an actress has a lot they say, and the fact of it being their performance is always going to aid that fucking final piece so much. Like. Yeah, but there's there's overriding uh, or just you know constant constantly referred to motif or like you know a uh, piece of symbolism, this painting on the wall that uh, he constantly looks at when he's looking for inspiration, and the very last shot of the film sort of reflects this. But then at, the, at this very moment, uh, a seagull hits one of the cameras, complete accident, falls in the water, and that's when the film ends. I mean, it must be one in a million, but it just gives this sort yeah. of, even though, I mean, even for the Coens, a more offbeat sort of style, or, I know, sort of mood to the entire you shot, and it really works. Oh, you could. It looks perfect here. It's so good. See how that seagull hits the water, too? hits the water that perfectly and the bloop as it goes on the water is that perfect that it actually seems not only so staged but it actually seems like it's been done through some sort of special effect definitely do you, I mean? do you think even though yeah it was an accident but technically the cam- the bird flew into the camera so they really have to say like you know at the end of their yeah no like animals were harmed during the making of the film <laughs> 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 I've actually never yeah. thought about that yeah. enough. but yeah it's not even that it hits the camera comes into the camera it actually hits 
you know, a, a rig of lighting that's above to, you know, actually make the shot look like sort of pastel colour like that's what painting is. I think it might even be, I think it might even just have a bit of sound equipment or something like that because it's, right, yeah. it's on a California beach. They probably would have had Maybe some late thirty, but I mean, it, that more likely would have been just natural. Light. But right. anyway, it's irrelevant. What what the actual animal? But I mean, yeah, uh, but it, it's actually perfect. I mean, you know, whenever I I was like, oh, that shot was incredible. And then when you actually, I always go to IMDb trivia page, or you know, you start reading around the film a bit. And whenever I heard that that was a complete accident, I was like, oh god, that's just crazy. That's amazing because it completely suits the mood of the film. It's fake. Like, yeah, yeah. Quite uh, because I mean, when I first watched Barton Fink, and when I seen that final shot, much like yourself, I thought. Oh, that just sums up all the sort of themes they were trying to get at. Because by the end of the film, again, we'll, we'll try and not spoil it, but Burton Fang's kind of down and out. And I always assumed that that seagull hitting the water was just a very sort of on the nose bit of symbolism that he is completely sunk underneath. Yeah, he's drowned, it, you know he's constantly I mean? trying to achieve grace through his work or whatever. And then whenever he looks at this amazing or, you know, this sort of inspirational painting that then he sees in real life. But there's this completely ungraceful thing that happens. Yeah, in the middle. it really does hit well with You're the sort of tone of the exactly film. Exactly right. It was it was one of those things too that when the seagull hits the water, because he's always striving. He, he essentially is an arrogant screenwriter, and he's always striving to you know write the next best piece of like sort of tapping on the social conscious. You know, you know, being the voice. Next of that great Ameri- American uh, writer. Uh, next great American writer. But then because he can't get work in Hollywood. He's putty writing fucking B movies for this really shitty studio, like wrestling pictures and stuff like that. And this is really against like his sort of high fluting sensibilities. But then, like you were saying, when he looks at this painting, which kind of inspires him the whole way through, and he sees that as high art, it's almost like then when the seagull falls underwater, it's almost like he's being mocked. You know what I mean? Mm. Like he'll never kind of, when he sees that beauty in real life, he's kind of mocked in a way. And that sort oh, of moment from yeah. his ruins, and it just shows that maybe he's never going to get where he wants to be. Mm. It's 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 you know what like like Dan was saying it's complete happy accent but it just adds so much to the finale. Also as well, watch Barton Fink. It's a phenomenal film. It's one of my yeah. favorite Coen Brothers. Super. Uh, it's it's fantastic. There's one from Birdman, yes. where uh, you mind when Michael Keaton is standing. I saw that. Yeah, the, I heard about this. Yeah, he's standing at the top of a building, kind of just standing right in the edge. Is this near the end? I think it's near enough near the end, but he's. I think he has his arms out and stuff, so it looks like he's at, like about to jump no, no, or whatever. No, it's not right at the end. It's whenever he's actually standing and someone calls out to him, and then it leads to the big scene where okay. he. Yeah, yeah, I'm there. But yeah. Uh, yeah, so he's nearly on the edge, and it looks like he's about to jump off or whatever, and then somebody shouts up, Is this for a movie? Or no, is, oh, is this, this real is or is this a movie? And then Michael Keaton goes, A movie! And <laughs> he's still standing there. <laughs> But that was just somebody calling up. Yeah, but then they actually showed out, you people are full of shit. <laughs> <laughs> it's so good. It's it's so so, good. Yeah, it really sits, actually. I didn't even know that that, that, I, that, was that was just That was just a person shouting at Michael Keaton. Yeah, in like. New York, yeah, yeah. And again, if you look on the happy accidents and how they sort of indirectly made the film better, obviously a whole big thing about Burton Fink is the sort of intertextuality and this, this sort of washed-up actor then loving his life oh, like he is in a film. You mean Burman? <laughs> you said Burton Fink. Fink. Oh, Burton Fink, sorry, yeah. Birdman, sorry. In, in Birdman, sorry. Yeah. It's this whole intertextual thing about this washed up actor who is now living his life through his former biggest character, who was, I can't even, as, as the as character Birdman. called the Birdman, the Birdman. Yeah. But so oh, it's, not Batman, I mean Birdman. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. But I mean, that adds I so much to it. that's well done there. Like, it could have been fucking overdone, but that was not overdone in Birdman. I, I think, think it's, like, yeah. it's superb, considering well. the fact that there's so many parallels with Michael Keaton's own life. It's one of the best bits of fucking casting, you'll see. 
and I'm, I love the fact that Michael Keaton actually kind of sunk his teeth under it. You know what I mean? They do that because that's rejuvenated him. Right? I mean, look at him. And he didn't even play it ironically, which you could have done. Yeah. If you had a kind of lived the life that he lived, and then play that role, which is essentially him, your life. <laughs> mm. And he didn't do it ironically. And he did a fuck it, as you say. He got his teeth under it, and he. He put everything they, in it, what, what I can see. He did a similar thing with Ed Norton in that film as well because yeah. he, he kind of, he has this reputation of being difficult and kind of really fucking artsy or whatever. Rewriting the scripts. Yeah. You replaced my gym with water? Fuck <laughs> <laughs> you. I, I love his when he com- he's coming out and he starts saying, I don't ever fucking do it to me again. Oh, you know, oh, I, you know, you're a fucking hack and you need to realize, you know, I'm a proper artist. And he goes, oh, by the way, what'd you think? Really fun crowd tonight, wasn't yeah. it? See <laughs> 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 you tomorrow, man. <laughs> Oh yeah, I love too with Norton and that it's almost like a lot of people says that obviously after Norton had got nominated for American History X and then he was like one of the hottest properties after also uh, Primal Fear before that Primal yeah, Fear yeah. and then with Fight Club and stuff like mm. that he was like score going, <laughs> the score well the score was a bit of a flop but at the same time it was huge because it had Brando and the Nero and stuff I, I, I still, still like that film I, I still think the score's not that bad like I think it's a good film I think it's Brando's last film too yeah but so. uh, it's just something Superman. That's right. I fucking hell. Yeah, that stock of footage is lying in the fucking vault for quite a while. Like, but uh, Have you seen Superman Returns. Yes, he, he, like, there's a recording of like you know Brandon ah, yeah. talking. It's to, just uh, his voice, the one yeah. there. It's like no, yeah. they have like a sort of facial reconstruction, but it's not actually him. But it has his voice as well. Yeah. Mm. Just nonsense. I actually, actually really don't like that when they do it with an actor. You know, after they passed on, you know, it's it's a bit weird. They're showing about. Yeah. I think in a way, I mean, fair enough. They would have probably had to get sign off from you know whatever actors are stit or whatever and. They obviously have to treat it with as much respect as possible. There's something that just doesn't feel right about it. Like, hey, if, it, I mean? if it's like old footage or something, I'm okay with that. Yeah. Because they've obviously recorded it in some way. But you're also you're whatever. putting it in the context where you're still looking at it through like this old lens. But then if you're like having a new scene and you're like, you know, he's meant to, you know, obviously they choose the best footage, but they're fitting it to this new scene. Uh, then obviously if that was this actor, he's apparently a great actor. Well, definitely is a great actor. He would emote a different way completely. Sure, one of my yeah. favorite ones is whenever they do like the entire uh, chef thing in South Park. Remember uh, Isaac Hayes? Is mm-hmm. yeah. He would he refused to do any more, so they had to kill him off. But obviously, there's like you know so many hours of recordings of him that they could have made it seamless, but they deliberately make it awkward. Uh, where he's like, "Hello there, chill," you know, you know. <laughs> and there's, there's no reason from they ever make it like that because they could have just used and, and yeah, just he said hello there, children, a thousand times exactly. in that show. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it's pretty fun. It's. Oh, we're going to, like you were saying, about, well, like we're actually just talking about in, in, in Birdman too, and saying about like how you, Edward Norton was... <coughs> I haven't seen the first one. Hmm? I haven't seen the first one. Birdman <laughs> I love this, yeah, Birdman too. Mm. <laughs> but it's... In, in Always th- sunny in Philadelphia. True enough, I the Charlie Work episode. Apparently, is... that, apparently that is a happy accident. Did you hear about this now? Oh, yeah. They didn't even know what they were doing, really. Yeah, yeah because I mean, I mean, the they... jazz drumming just really, really fits in, doesn't it? It fucking really fit then when you go down to the basement That's and there's Frank all painted in black all. <laughs> Using a recorder. Uh, works works and then, well. Like, and then like, like, I find it, I find it super hard to believe so it has to be the happiest accident that mm. that episode was literally like Birdman in every sense but not intentionally. Perfection. Yeah. No, because, I mean, obviously it's TV but it's not one that I even would have thought of there now. But I, I think it's no, well but they, they they did that because of the extended 
shot in True Detective. Yes, there because there was a big there was a big there was a big hype around that at the that time when they were sad. shooting it. So that's why they put that in. But then Birdman came out. And it just worked it way better with the thing. What's crazy as well is that the framing of, and for the, the listener who might not know, there's a, an episode of It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Uh, it's called Charlie Work. It's, it? call, it's called yeah. Charlie Work. And it was released, I think, maybe just a month after Birdman was released. And it has the very same aesthetic as Birdman in that it's following just behind, you know, one of the main characters. And it's these sort of... False uh, shot. The false, tra- false, false cuts. Yeah. So. Track it's an and almost shots. seamless one yeah. shot. Track almost and shots seamless. and false cuts. And you've got the jazz drumming and stuff over exactly like Birdman but it's just crazy that it came actually off the back of True Detective but the framing is actually more akin to Birdman yeah and it's just like, what are the chances of that happening like especially well, that one probably just the way it was shot and the stuff because they're they're in like more enclosed more spaces setting, yeah. like Birdman when True Detective was kind of out in the street and yeah. all air it was like panoramic like helicopter shots and shit like that like yeah mm. you're definitely right you sure, they got fucking the best kid he should have other than Like in the Oscar for that. Three Oscars in a row for Lebetsky, no bother him. First was it, like, is it not uh, not only the first cinematographer, but is he not, like, one of the first... Mexicans? No, I'm the first Mexicans. Like, is he not one of, like, the first... Uh, Openly gay man? Openly or... gay man? No, no, it's, uh, that fucking sounds awful. Uh, that's cringeworthy as fuck. Do you not hear about that at, at the Oscars? Sam Smith only won Best Song for, what was it again? The Spectre? Uh, Riding on the Wall, Spectre. Spectre. He won the Oscar for Riding on the Wall from Spectre. And he went up and he was, oh, I got an email from uh, Serena McKellen basically stating that, you know, I'm the first openly gay person who won the Oscar. Complete nonsense. But then he was Complete all, nonsense. he was all, I don't know if that's true. We yeah, did, no. we talked about this on the Oscar yeah. special. We did. Just yeah. Google it, man. Just Google, <laughs> no, just Google it before you go. Go back to episode 20, Oscar. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, my happy accent and all fairness you could you could point to a lot of these because you know there's been so many fucking famous cases where an actor supposed to be on a role and then another actor comes along and they're way more iconic and you couldn't picture the original actor they had in their mind for that role but one of the most recent ones is definitely uh, the Aragorn one where Stuart Townsend who was kind of getting a bit of heat back at the time and looked like he was going to have a big career and he's just kind of fading on the obscurity now nobody really I think he's just done a lot of that kind of British TV but he was cast as Aragorn and he actually got as far as shooting for about four weeks. Now, there's actually so much, it's never been released, but there's a lot of photos of him on set in the fucking sort of Aragorn attire and stuff. And if you're a big Lord of the Rings fan, and obviously I, I guarantee that if you're a Lord of the Rings fan, Aragorn is more than likely one of your favourite characters and you couldn't see anybody else but Viggo Mortensen in the role. Look at those images of Stuart Townsend. It is just, it's just wrong. It's it just, it just, he looks, he looks like he's fucking about 18. He's so young looking. He doesn't even look built enough. He doesn't look like he has enough sort of gravitas as well to be like the fucking leader of the free men. Look, but right, he, you know, he looks like an extra from like a heavy metal video. Exactly, yeah. he, lo- he looks like an extra from you that fucking ATV show that Rain or something. Like that, you know? <laughs> <laughs> he looks like he, he's so forgettable. Whereas Viggo Mortensen, because he's a great actor and he just carries that sort of aura and because he just fucking ate up that role and just became Aragorn. Because he's a babe. And because he's a babe as well, obviously. And because he's cool as fuck. You could never see past anybody else but Vigo, but I mean, Stuart Townsend doesn't even put up competition in him. Like, I mean, it's... it's well, but to be fair, didn't. you never seen his performance. I know, he got sacked off it. Like, like you're not <laughs> yeah. doing well. Exactly. If, if your director literally decides four weeks in, you know what, I've made a mistake in cashing you. I mean, like, when's the last time you, you heard about that happening? You got the whole way through. The Back last, to the future. <laughs> the, well, the last time I can remember that happening, but uh, he actually wasn't fired. He actually resigned himself. And I, I, I you know what, I, I, I kind of tapped my hat in because I thought, 
this was a job for him. This was probably, and fair enough, he probably still got paid the full amount. But for the Lovely Bones, also by Peter Jackson, oldly enough. Dude, Peter uh, Jackson loves fire. Yeah, no, that's so sad, <laughs> I know, actually. Is Peter Jackson just hiring and firing this guy? Because <laughs> I'm going to call up harassment right now. <laughs> and, and stab boys in Santa <laughs> yeah, That's right, that'll be deleted scene, hot fools. No, 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 it's not like just this guy's been the fucking Santa man. Anyway, who fired themselves from Lovely Bones? Um... In The Lovely Bones, you know the way it, it panned out that Saoirse Ronan's father is Mark Wahlberg? Yeah. Uh, originally. And he what? Was... Yeah, yeah, no way. <laughs> hey, you Cross said that like, like it was a fucking <laughs> secret. Shit! <or> <laughs> uh, in, like, the fir- for the first couple weeks of shooting, like two or three weeks in and stuff like that, it was Ryan Gosling. Ryan Gosling was Saoirse Ronan's oh, father. Oh, I think I heard this. And then before. Ryan Gosling decided himself, two or three weeks into shooting, he was all, I'm not feeling this character. And I, I personally, he went up... I, Peter Jackson says, I personally think he, that he didn't just walk off <laughs> set, like. he just didn't walk off set I threw a beast he just but he, he, he went he, and had sex with a fucking sex doll <laughs> oh nice ob- nice obscure reference <laughs> I like that that's actually a really good film that made my recommendation thank you Mickey when, when they drive around a, a motorbike in a roll cage or something <laughs> not, not quite as obscure but it's, it's still there <laughs> or stabs boys in care parks but uh, that's <laughs> <laughs> We're just going on the obscure Ryan Gosling references. Like, well, in fairness, Drive's not even obscure. Come on. But, uh, yeah. So, in... What happened with the Lovely Bones? He went up to Peter Jackson and says, I'm not feeling this character, and I personally think you've made a mistake in hiring me because I think that I'm way too young looking. Because at this point, Ryan Gosling still would only been about 29, That's exactly 30. what I thought. He's yeah. way too young yeah. to be Saoirse Ronan's father. Because even though Ryan Gosling's only like 35, I think when that was shot, he would have been about maybe 28, 29. And he's a young, handsome looking. Yeah. Even still, he looks young. Uh, he's, he has a young face. And he, baby face. I think that he may have read the novel and he obviously kind of got the characters a, a bit more than maybe some of the other actors. But he says that I find that the main crux of this book isn't the fact that, you know, Saoirse Ronan's character is kind of abducted and stuff like that. It's more the sort of relationship that goes on even after she disappears between her and her father and her father never, you know, stops looking for her and that is the main emotional bond and he, I think he kind of decided that I don't think audiences will kind of accept that sort of emotional bond if the whole way through they're thinking they look like brother and sister That's as opposed to... as yeah. an actor. Yeah. I think impressive. so. It's actually one of the few times and maybe it's, maybe it happens a lot you just don't hear about it as much. Of course. Oh, but, no, of course. I mean, but... I think it's very impressive for an actor who is not only in a very good role and is probably getting paid handsomely and he turned down get- a role for his yeah. artistic beliefs. artistic integrity exactly and because and not even just for his artistic integrity but because he thinks it will actually benefit the whole film oh well that's yeah. what I'm saying about his I didn't say his integrity I said his beliefs because he believes a certain thing about that role yeah. that's got nothing to do with him yeah. and he believes in the story enough to Buy out, then that's yeah. fucking sweet. Sweet. There, right? that's but I, I, I always, always really like that. You know, it's just nice to see that sometimes yeah. maybe actors aren't just concerned about the paycheck, but they're maybe, actually concerned with but the film. Well, maybe that's just one. Want, <laughs> maybe you just wanted the the weekend off. You know, <laughs> it's all, I don't think I'm right for this role, babe. I'll be there and have an Eva. We're down in the country. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we should go home and print more Macaulay Culkin shirts. That's all I <laughs> but uh, another one as well. Uh, in terms of you know apocalypse now, you know there's very little happiness surrounding the making of that film, but uh, this actually is very unhappy as well. Where uh, you know you're the main character, uh, played by well actually you Martin Sheen. Yeah, yeah, it is. Ah, uh, yeah, it is Martin Sheen. Ah, uh, yeah, because obviously he delved into alcoholism at the time. He was an alcoholic during that. And time. also as well, you know, uh, Ford Coppola had like a heart attack and you know, tried uh, Martin Sheen tried to commit suicide. Or was it? 
Yeah, Cheery Production. Apocalypse Now. They were meant to go there. Yeah, well, they were meant to go there for ten months, but instead they they sent out to over two years. And they just name the film after all the shit happened to everyone. All the yeah, honestly, but you know the very first scene of it, or one of the very first scenes, you see like Martin Sheen's character beyond drunk and uh you know he's rolling about in the floor he, he punches a mirror and he crying. actually, he actually like, crying cuts his hand and all but he's not playing a character he's literally at his wit's end because yeah. coppola goes a bit mental during the making of this film and he said that until the producers pulled the plug he would have kept going and kept going and kept going and it took it took years and years to come out it's yeah. an absolute masterpiece it's fantastic like but you know it, it it's, it's actually really interesting that you know it's based on a book called heart of darkness which is all about delving into like the deepest of uh, how you the dark heart right? essentially just that that well how how dark can a man get yeah you know, how, the how squalor of men you know yeah. how, how morally bankrupt a man could get and as the actual making of the film went on that's exactly what happened between those people my, one of my favorite stories as well about that film was that you know uh <laughs> Coppola said two things to uh Martin Brando they're in the film they're trying to search for this uh, <laughs> this so yeah good. they're trying to search for this uh war general called Kurtz who's actually defected he's joined like you know uh, it's not actually the Viet Cong it's the Cambodian army isn't it aye yeah he's joined the Cambodian army and he's like you know a tribal leader and on the way there Martin Sheen's reading through his files and he's like this man's an absolute war hero like he's an absolute general you know he's, he's unbelievable he's such an admirable man what's made him turn this way yeah. and then when you're meant to meet him he's meant to be this big formidable intelligent opponent this uh, you know noble savage that you're meant to really respect so <laughs> Coppola turned around to Martin Brando and said to him at the time right you need to turn up and you need to be in shape so you look for middle, and you also need to read the book so you understand what's going on. Brando up, he did not read the book, and he was fat as fuck. Yeah. He <laughs> was in, in the worst condition ever. If you ever watched a film, but in saying that, Brando read the book as as Coppola read it to him yeah. at night and explained all these different things. Coppola read what? it to him. All yeah, Mar- Coppola oh, sorry, sat I'm going to teach you like a child, and I yeah. want you to show up like an adult. But then Brando, <laughs> yeah. fucking idiot. But like... no, but he did it, and because uh, I already paid him too much, so there's no getting rid of Brando at that stage. Coppola read in the book, and Brando fell in love with. It. Still couldn't lose it with to be fair. So every time you see him in the film, he's like always bathed in shadow, and it's always made see, him make him look see, like, to be honest, imposing. But uh, his performance is amazing. Yeah. Actually. See, yeah. to be honest, you just talking about happy accents. I actually think that the fact that Brando showed up on set fat as fuck was a happy accident because they had to shoot him in shadow then just to kind of hide the fact that he was really, really heavy. I think that definitely adds to the mistaken sort of this sort of foreboding of him. You know, like, he's this really sinister sort of man. And fair enough, it's, it's, it's a sort of cheap trick, you know, blanket somebody in shadow and it kind of makes them more mysterious or makes them more threatening. It but it really works for Brando, especially as well because he is kind of overweight you only really see his head but because his head is like a fucking bowling ball and he's sweating <laughs> you know what oh, I mean? awful, yeah, yeah. because his head's like a bowling ball and he's sweating and stuff he, got to, he, he, he almost looks like he's fucking morphing like some sort of creature like the, the jungle that he's mm. been fucking surrounded by everything he's saying him. is talking about right, my recommendation right now <laughs> oh, yeah. not everything but like certain points well, yeah but just well, as well, I don't want to cut you off but I'm just no no you're okay but uh, I'm actually cutting it off a bit as well you know Brando whenever like uh, he was told you're not allowed to leave the house you know because you're eating yourself to death he used to get somebody's friends he threw burgers over the wall <laughs> Damn, which is so funny yeah you know somebody's friends he threw burgers over the wall of his Hollywood mansion so but he'd you're eat them in the garden because, like, yeah but I mean contract. you know when you hear like people like throwing like heroin or cocaine over the wall you could maybe sort of even understand but the man was getting thrown burgers and you're it's like, the same thing do you know it's the same thing well, I, I know it is but I know thing? there's some just very humorous about it. I don't know. Maybe it's just me. I just like it's I just like a slider. Food addiction is the same as the drug addiction. Yeah. Right? Boom. 
I love as well. Let's uh, also cock and balls. They put in his mouth. Just just talk up. Just talking about like absolute geniuses who then kind Did of. Did you like, say cock and balls? They put in his mouth. Cock and balls. Just talking about like uh, geniuses, you know, in the film <laughs> world, who then kind of succumb to eating disorders and get really hefty and stuff like that. Orson Welles was notorious for having this favorite hot dog joint in like Hollywood, and he would go there and literally eat like ten hot dogs in a row. And then after he got this tenth, they used to start taking bets in the fucking hot dog joint about how a hot dog joint about how many he would eat that day. His record in one sitting over about a two hour period was twenty four. Twenty four hot dogs in two hours. Can you eat that many hot dogs? In two also, hours. In two hours. Like Gandalf painted those all. Yeah, I know. Also, mm. holiday Marlon Brando. He's the birthday boy too. He shares a birthday myself. I know he's been dead for a couple of years. Can you rhyme off the list? Everyone that you share a birthday with. I can't you, you have a big celebrity list. It's not so bad. I've got uh, Marlon Brando, Alec Baldwin, Eddie Murphy, Doris Day, Ooh. Leona Lewis, Ooh. uh David Hyde Pierce. Already, oh, yeah. I love that guy. And well done, and well done for being uh, well born on that day. <laughs> and Washington Irvine, which is about a strange one. Who's I've got Justin Timberlake. He wrote Sleepy Hollow. That's uh, not bad. Justin Timberlake's alright. You know, I mean, if anything, you can see a lot of parallels between me and Spencer. <laughs> You've got the moves, like. You got the I looks. have I have Owen Wilson. That's the well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I got Mary the Virgin Mother. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, we checked yours. The all right, you had somebody really good. We did, I did, but I can't remember. Is that, is that a normal Donald joke? Like, is, oh, what's this thing about four twenty? And then people say, oh, yeah, you know, it's like a big stoner holiday in that time. Do you know how many people smoke? Goes, and then you throw stones at people and they're annoyed. Sorry, I don't understand <laughs> yeah. what stoning But he, he, he says, oh, yeah, but you see, to me, I always thought that, you know, it was like the rise of Nazi- Nazism again in America because that's Hitler's birthday. It is Hitler's Which birthday. Which is pretty funny. It is Hitler's birthday. <laughs> also, ah, fuck, you stole my fun fact. I didn't realise the joke was going that way, so I was going to go, fun fact, that's Hitler's birthday. Okay, I'm going to move on to recommendation. Shanka? My recommendation is The Prestige, 2006, Christopher Nolan. Uh, I personally think that it might be probably Nolan's best film. Uh, Controversial. I mean, a lot, a, lot of people, a lot of people say Memento. I think that after you get over the gimmick of Memento and the fact that it's sort of deconstructing film noir, it, it, it doesn't really repeat, or sorry, it doesn't reward repeat viewing, so I would say The Prestige. Uh, it's a great story there's a great sort of twist at the end that maybe you can't see coming but it's still kind of surprising when you do see it coming and it's not one of those twists that kind of blows the rest of the fucking script you know or, or sorry mix the rest of the script kind of stupid you know it, it does fit uh, there's a great wee cameo on there by David Bowie as Tesla Hugh Jackman's excellent I think it's got one of the most emotionally affecting scenes that I've seen from Hugh Jackman or just in any sort of modern film uh, at Ma- the end what bit? Oh, it's, it's yeah. when it's it's when he's explaining why he done it. Yeah, and it's like you think that he done That's it for good. for like power or all this sort of like. No, sorry. Did you think that the the twist then was? Did you see it coming? No, that's what I'm saying. I, I didn't. I, I think it's. I, I don't think it's really that obvious. But I, I kind of had hints that it may have been. Coming. I had no idea. No at idea. All. Honestly, yeah. Even rewatching, I think it's it's actually very rarely alluded to, that, and that's what sort of gives it the strength. Because twists a lot of time now are signposted. I think like, this is a film with a twist. You do well, I mean? What so. I what I loved about it though is that when the twist actually comes, it's actually the mundane explanation that's more interesting than the, all these other theories that you could have came up with. How's Christian Bale's character doing these? You know, doing yeah. these magic tricks and stuff. I love the fact that it was right under his nose and it was so simple and he couldn't work it out and he spent his life trying to mimic it and obviously kind of he ruined his morality in doing it as well he just went a completely different way with yeah, it <laughs> well they say the very least but uh, 
Uh, excellent film. Also, it's one of those films, I think it's like two hours, ten minutes, two hours, fifteen, but I think one of the best uh, compliments you can give to a film of that sort of length is it really doesn't feel that way. And I mean, it's one of those films too that your main sort of gripe about is that you want to see more of the story. You actually would, you wouldn't mind an hour, 20 minutes, 25 minutes lapped on there. So Really? It's good. Really? Have you not seen it? No, I've seen, I've seen a lot of it, but I haven't watched the whole thing. And I'm surprised. Probably that's why I haven't seen the whole thing. It was so long. Definitely but give uh, it, watch it full whack. I think you I, it I agree with Shannon. It's definitely no one's I best. I shall do. I shall do. I don't know if I'd say it's his best. It's his best. Sean Dan said it's his best. <laughs> All right, then. We're not going to linger on it. <laughs> Kiva, what's your recommendation? My recommendation recommendation <laughs> this week is From Beyond. Ooh. And what does Beyond have to say? Beyond has to say a lot of shit. <laughs> All right, it's a 1986 film. Have you ever even heard of From Beyond? No. Right, so near it I. <laughs> and I watched it this week and it was fucked up right so this guy is no sorry this group of scientists so it's really this one scientist with his like assistant creates this machine called a resonator and the Ooh. resonator sounds important turns everything into weed I've been really on a sci-fi week weed. right mm-hmm. um, so the resonator there's a part of your brain I don't know it, it, to me it seemed like it was a real part of your brain but this resonator gives it the ability to grow if you're in within the range of the machine yeah. and with the ability of that part of your brain to grow you have the sense so like a sixth sense to see a fourth dimension oh my god it's amazing what? but what you didn't know was the fourth dimension can now see you ah! and then they attack you so it's obviously a quite a B movie, but it fucking rocks. But it's weird as fuck. It's like, right? So without giving too much away, the guy who made the machine is super into BDSM. Oh, and he's Hello. like a kinky motherfucker. <laughs> and then it turns out that uh, I don't always remember because today a guy worked with Connor had a real headache. This is just real life, a guy I work with. And he kept rubbing his head, and that's what they kept doing in the film, rubbing their head like that. He kept rubbing what them head? right what in the head? middle of their head. Their forehead. You're really not and explaining then, it better. But then, it, <laughs> but then literally, like, I don't want to give it, but right, basically it makes them really horny. And I was all, Connor, you're in that film. And he was all, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> Do your job. I was all, okay. <laughs> but so, that reminded me So of. basically, are, do they just want to get freaky on the fourth dimension? No, no. They don't want to get freaky, right? The, 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 oh, I don't know. the scientist guy is a freaky piece of shit, and he invented this machine, so yeah. he might want it to happen. Because there's some kind of like good graphics for the time. It's like it's 86 it's made in so there's like it's a wee but like a wee the machine is a wee but like a rocky horror picture show mm. where he's flicking all the switches and uh when they do like there's a kind of it looks like eels and kind of jellyfish swimming but it's supposed to be this four, fourth dimension shit. oh you've entered something you don't you know nothing about but then you're all whoa like. that's whoa. amazing and then like they're symbolism. like fucking you in your eye or something it's weird <laughs> it's literally like a proper really sexual scientific oddity yeah 
know what's really interesting though? when you said all oh, the uh the scientists who made it isn't it bdsm shan's first words are oh no and Mike was all oh hello <laughs> <laughs> so there you go shows the difference in character it's, it's, it's probably <laughs> why i silent. got the the, the kind of like there there's a similarness to rocky horror but it's in no way the same kind of film at all. Is it quite campy? It's no, it, it oh, it's campy and it's quite cringy, but it's also quite scary. Mm. Along with all those things, it's quite scary at the same time. So sounds like a big old melting pot of emotions. It's a fucking. <laughs> Did you enjoy mean, it? I'm I'm recommending it only because like I've watched it. Someone else should watch it too. Yeah, you, you need, uh, you you need to, share, to share this around. Yeah. It's like BDSM. You just have to share it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm here to, it's hard to do it by yourself. <laughs> so, um, yeah. Does he get those Tory boys kill themselves? Or <laughs> That's fine. Uh, my recommendation is they came together. <laughs> I love that film. I love that film. And it's great. It's a 2014 flick, I believe. Uh, director is David Wayne, who did America, Wet Hot American Summer and Role oh. Models. Wanderlust, which I've never actually seen, but don't matter. <laughs> Seems like Paul Rudd a lot, doesn't it? Yeah, he loves yeah. Paul Rudd. So, uh, yeah, Paul Rudd's in this with Amy Poehler. There's a bunch of other people in it. Fucking Kobe Smulders, Bill Hader, I also Ellie share Kemper. a with Kobe Smulders. Oh, there, there you go. go. <laughs> Love that girl. Um, I have no opinion. <laughs> <laughs> All right, then. <laughs> but, yeah, it's... It's just it's it's taking the hand out of romantic comedies basically, and it's just a big kind of. Would you go as far as spoof of romantic comedy? Completely, comedies? but even though it it becomes spoof, then becomes sketch. Like uh, one of the ones that really sticks out to me whenever like uh, Amy Poehler is going to go out like on a date with a with the fella, and she keeps on running out and it's all, does this look alright? Oh, what about this? But then she keeps, she runs out then like a full body suit of armor and she's all, what about this? She's like clacking her shield and everything, and it, you know it just gets that ridiculous sometimes, that's, doesn't it? I think that's uh probably one of the the best points about Amy Poehler is that she can pull comedy from different ways and oh, she's still yeah. super likable and. Mm. St- super kind of fucking believable in every way like she can literally go from the romantic lead to like the knight in shining armor and then in the next scene be oh yeah yeah, yeah, that's a you know the achievable you didn't mean like you know the femme fatale she's just a fucking amazing actress she's just and she's an amazing comedian Amazing writer. <laughs> I can't stop talking about it. No, all I was going to say about the film is it's a v- very particular style of comedy, and I think it kind of either hits you or it doesn't kind of. It's so, SNL's generation, but I think it's it's better than a lot of SNL stuff I've seen. Like fucking yeah. MacGruber or something? I, I will. MacGruber's not bad, you know. Yeah. I will. Oh, oh. <laughs> well, like, obviously, I really liked it, but I just think it's it's a particular kind of comedy, and you might just, some people might love it, and some people just might think it's stupid or whatever. So, like Marmite. Yeah. <laughs> like Marmite the because movie. Some Marmite people think film. you can eat it, and then some people think the people who eat it are stupid. Yeah. Like <laughs> 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 but all I'd say is, is give it a go. Watch the first 10 minutes. If you're not on it, it's not for you. But if you like it, keep on watching. It's hilarious. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you. Uh, my so, Oh, I would actually say that I think they came together as actually a really solid comedy. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, I'm generally quite cynical about a lot of comedies, but I think it's really good. It's I know, I'm actually hot. surprised you like it. Yeah, no, it's in the vein of Hot Rod a bit. Yeah. That was yeah. a bit more 
uh, a bit more slapsticky. It, it sort of goes I, in different directions. I see. It the the thing with they came together, it does kind of just it can just take a complete like, left turn. The, the whenever part, it was the, the, the party where the boy dressed up as a superhero as well. I can't even mind that book. I uh, were like he shits and like he's his costume. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Is that not sounds no, like, sounds like top no, writing? No, no, no. <laughs> no it's, it's, it's dead funny actually. It's no, but cool. like, say you have something like an air where a guy is shitting himself at a party, but then you have bits like when Paul Rudd is at the bar and just him and the barman is having the same conversation over and over again yeah. for about five minutes or something. Yeah. I mean, it's a, it's just like that could be really annoying to somebody or it could be really fucking hilarious. No. Well, I really like, I mean, it actually reminds me of like, you know, the uh, you know, Mr. Show or, you know, the with Tim and Eric that's now on Netflix. You know, that sort yeah. of comedy that they sort of do where like, you know, some of it is just, you know, really needling your patience but then some of it you know they're actually trying to say something through that but either way my actual recommendation is completely unrelated it's uh, Existence by yeah. Kimberg I've recommended this before say it again you have recommended this before oh mm-hmm. shit well now you're getting a Dan Kion angle of it no. so uh, <laughs> I'm going to get a death right now compared to Mickey's recommendation Double recommend. I, to be fair I probably just said uh, it's a good film in fairness <laughs> to you this is the Watch first her. film to be double recommended so does that essentially mean it's the greatest film ever made obviously yep. <laughs> we should get a plaque made Sansa Hyundai Jennifer Jason Lee <laughs> go on for it Dan go on for it son uh, no existence always stood out for me because uh, I know it's very early on in this sort of idea now we have obviously video games or something that you sort of reference you know when you're looking at existence people living their life through like, you know a different lens essentially what it's about is that you know these people come together to join this sort of cult where they live their lives through this uh well, video game that they live together, but then as it, everything backs out, they're, they're like a rebel force, but everything backs out, they n- they're never sure whether they're actually in the real world or they're not. So some things that are absolutely ridiculous and, you know, very high sci-fi, but also known Cronenberg, obviously quite gross and, you know, how much is a human body altered by this technology we use around it? Or not even yeah. a human body, sometimes, you know, animal, how much is the world around so us? So it's just a, like... Alone back to the early sort of body horror stuff like in Videodrome and scanners and stuff, yeah. Yeah, you know, what influence are we having on this world with this are a complete reliance technology? But then also as well, like, uh, the thing that reminded me about tonight was that there's so many wee tiny things where if you're in existence, it was body, invasion of body sensors that Kiva brought up, where they become someone different than what you know. But in existence, if you ask someone the wrong question and they're not leading you down the right way like you would in a video game, they would just repeat what they said yeah. before. But that happens and existence. So you follow those two of the characters. In one part of Fulham, the female character says the same thing twice. Like, it's the exact same intonation, the exact same way. And you sort of think, right, is that her now not part of she's part of the simulation? She's not actually part of you know yeah, she's not her. She's not her exactly. And uh, you know, it's never concluded, it's never answered. It's just a sort of Fulham where you know, with Cronenberg, he's trying to ask these big questions, but he doesn't have very, he always doesn't have very succinct, actually a very violent, a very mm-hmm. abrupt, very sudden way. And yeah, I did watch it twice within like, you know, a week because mm-hmm. some of the, the actual uh, world building on it as well is fantastic. Uh, I think that's one thing Cronenberg's actually looked down upon in terms of like how he designed shots and, you know, in terms of the lighting because William Defoe is incredible on it. You have a, uh, certain scenes where they jump from one scene to the other which is a completely different landscape completely different set and completely different mood but you know he handles it very very well but we're still following this through line uh i mean the ending's quite you know it is quite abrupt but it, it says what it needs to say i think it actually reminds me a lot of the you know the stories of like philip k dick where like, once they make their point they get out yeah. you know what i mean you know once once they say what they need to say they get out and there's no easy resolution there's no 
that's yeah, the point of it. Yeah, there's no jail free girls. Yeah, that's the point of it. You know, we're not looking like, you know, a sort of, obviously there's certain wee strands that you see that are beginning concluded or, you know, at least brought the, you know, their conclusion. But, you know, he doesn't give this overarching narrative and tells you exactly what they think at the end because that's the entire question he's bringing up all the time, isn't it? You know, is this technology viable? Is this something we should be embracing as much as what we are? And it's crazy to think of this film as well, you know, it was about in the 80s because right now, yeah. you know, if anything, people are living their lives more through this sort of lens is it the 80s? Ever. No, it's like it's the late 90s. Existence is the late 90s. 90s. It's like okay. 1999 or something, isn't it? But either way, I mean... But even, even, but it's, even it's, saying the same, that, it's the same through line of ideas yeah. that he's always had. But even in saying that, I mean, like it is like the sort of dull on the internet. And I mean, I, I think, if anything, and it's a, it's a phrase that Michael Bresson says I use a lot, but I do think that it's kind of relevant to this, is that in many ways you could actually look at existence now, or maybe even more so in the future, and see it as a time capsule because it's making this comment on... How were we going to like can engage with it? How was it going to affect our lives? And this is ninety nine when it was kind of that's fucking infantile stage. I think was ninety nine. I just think as well. Obviously, it's not the eighties because Jude Law was not that fucking old. Yeah, <laughs> but also as well, we'll say one. Or Jennifer well. Jason Lee. Yeah, <laughs> but also as well, uh, Jennifer Jason Lee's obviously had a bit of a resurgence this year. Resurgence. You know, uh, resurgence. resurgence with uh the blog Anomalisa and uh if late if late yes and but, Penn uh, Day. Wednesday as well, yeah. But, uh, Research. Jude Law. <laughs> what? She's not actually in it. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, Jude Law as well. He's, I've always written him as an actor. He's a great actor. And he's yeah. actually done a lot of good stuff. We and you were talking about the talent of Mr. Ropley beforehand. Fair enough, he's only an R-Ritter in uh, Lemony Snicket's series of unfortunate events, which I think is one of the most underrated family films ever. Mm. They're doing a TV show, though. Yeah, yeah, you've got Gattaca's. Uh, I think his performance in the AI is very underrated. Uh, you know, whatever, yeah, whatever you want to say about the film has performance is incredible. You also have Gattaca, where he's play, fucking excellent. You have Cold Mountain, where he's excellent. You know what I mean? He's got a lot of fucking superb roles. I think he was. Did you ever see that submarine film he was on recently? That submarine. There can only be one J Law and Jennifer Lawrence taking over, so Jude Law just has to fall to the side. Exactly. Exactly. What about he changes his name to Juddle? <laughs> if he changes his name to Juddle, it's really not Juddle? as appealing as a Juddle. Oh, like that? What do you mean? Like, okay. Oh, like, you know, J J U D E L. I think he falls yeah. into that super handsome kind of like role where, like, I mean, my mom is. Oh, who's your favorite actor? Jude Law. What's your favorite film? Oh, I've never really seen a film. Yeah, it's just a Jude Law. Like, so his name is automatically. Well, sure. There, there's all that sort of thing where, like, without, you know, without really yeah. anyone paying attention to what he's actually done, so well, he could do anything. And I think that's, sure he broke up with like Sienna Miller for a while, and there was like this all sort of rumor that he was. Like, he broke up with her. her. Yeah, no, but then they got back together and stuff, and then like there was all these like you know Heat OK magazine was saying all oh she's back together with love her, and you're like I exactly saying, and no one even knows what exactly happened in that situation, and he actually became more of a celebrity than an actor, even though he's a phenomenal actor. Brad Pitt actually like moved beyond that, but you know, was without even seeing I think it's something that we talked about a long time ago too. I mean, sometimes you look at an actor and they're completely poisoned by the media in many ways. I mean, Ben Affleck, fair enough, he made a couple of bad roles, but they certainly weren't the worst films that were ever made. But because all enough of his relationship with the other uh, J Lo as opposed to Jude Law, that kind of ruined him when he was seen as almost like a, an easy target for you know the the sort of what do you call him the paparazzi and stuff like that, and that severely severely dented has credibility as an actor even though he wasn't really taking that many missteps fair enough he made a couple of bad films what fucking actor hasn't but it was any a very similar thing with uh, Jude Law and the fact that he had a steady progression of really really good films and then when he broke up with Sienna Miller and then he kind of I think he broke up with his wife because it was apparently fucking shagging the nanny of his wings which I has fucked up 
that just really. But no one even knows if that's true, do they? Not? No, I mean yeah, that, no, no, that, that, that was true. I, 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 that was, was I don't follow it. Exactly. No one's fucking business. Exactly, and it's and Jesus that's and that's Christ, the same. But no one's business. Yeah, it's just it's awful when the, the sort of artistic credibility of the talent of an actor is kind of overshadowed by what's happening personally. It's like saying like you can you're not as good as an accountant because you had like had an affair. But yeah. also as well, they keep, but the keep accountants as, having an affair. Yeah, no, but that's mm. fine. But like, <laughs> <laughs> but I Nobody cares well, about you know, the account. Give me ten percent. We're talking about possibly later on. I was gonna make a joke about it, but uh, you know, like obviously, we're talking about like you know, people celebrities have had their lives ruined because of like their personal lives. But if you actually look at David Beckham, David Beckham, David Beckham was proven to have an affair with his nanny. You know, uh, over like a good few years, whatever, and you know, because he's like the poster child of the golden boy, it's never brought up again. He's not tarred with it, whatever. But then, if you look at someone like Jude Law, I mean, it becomes like something that yeah. is held against him. I mean, what that's complete double standards. I think, yeah, I think in many it's ways, only, it just kind of comes. It's maybe a comment on the type of fans that like film and the type of fans that like football. But even culturally, yeah. I mean, like you know, David Beckham is like really no, no, I know what you mean, but you know, even like, like, like culturally significant though, you know. David Beckham's regarded by people. Uh, he's a household name and he's cool, but... Do you know what his porn star would, name would be? What? Ludjaw. <laughs> oh, my Ooh. word. He's That's mad good. about sucking That's them ducks. What about <laughs> Nude Raw? <laughs> mm, depends what he's doing. What is Huge he doing? troll? Being naked <laughs> and having sex raw. Just raw-dogging it. Raw-dogging it all the time. But is he being raw dogged or is he raw? No, he's it? raw dogging. Come on, let's be fair. Because he, he, he is, well, well just taking or receiving, basically. Okay, all right. Yeah. Jack Wallian Hall. He'd be the one taking the raw dog, like from from New New from, from New Draw. From New Draw, yeah. Obviously, New Draw sounds so rude. Johnny yeah. Deep as well. Rude Draw. And I think give a Sweeney good night. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ, what are you talking about? <laughs> okay, we'll wrap it up there, folks. Thank you so much for listening. If you want to get in contact with us, you know, send us in your porn star versions of celebrities' names. Marlong Handblow as well. <laughs> what? <laughs> that's, 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 a, that's a bit far fetched. <laughs> it's, it's pretty thin, Riggs. <laughs> Mel. Mill blue jobs. Let's just don't even make them rhyme anymore. Yeah. Uh, you can find us on Facebook, Let's Talk More Movies Podcast. You can find us on Twitter at Talk More Movies, or you can email us Let's Talk More Movies at gmail.com. Daniel Day Langer. Sorry. <laughs> You'll probably get us on Don Hardy. At this stage. <laughs> you can leave us comments, reviews on iTunes, ACAST, and also on Stitcher Radio. Thank you so much for listening. Blue for face. I have been your host, Michael Bluejob. <laughs> Dan Killen has been... Dan Kill Film? What the f- <laughs> Shan Coyle. Shan Coyle? <laughs> Keep it, sweetie. Keep it, come shot. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> Oh, Jesus fucking Christ. Yeah. <laughs> that was incredible. Was it that <laughs>
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.